500 years ago he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck and upon the skull of the man who killed his dad he said i'm mad i must eradicate piracy injustice and cruelty and all my sons will follow me so evil doers will believe that this man cannot die the the ghost who walks enemies beware the phantom's always there but you won't find the phantom he finds you G'day everyone, for those who came in late, you're listening to Expand the Phantom Podcast. This is episode 86, Comics and News. My name is Dan Fraser and I'm joined today by Stephen East. How are you, Stephen? I'm good, mate. And yourself? Not too bad, not too bad. And over there in WA, if he can pick us up with his dodgy broadband, Jermaine Parker, are you there? Yeah, 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 I'm here, mate. Good to hear from you, Stephen. Good to have you back on as well. well it's good to be back. <laughs> we did have some problems with Jim, um, but just before the uh, podcast started, so I'm glad that he's on board for now anyway. Uh, yeah, and, and yeah, well, it wasn't actually last podcast, it was actually um, Glenn, but I've decided to go one better than Glenn, and I've actually brought my phone charger with me, Glenn, <laughs> phone charger. <laughs> I, was list- I was listening to that, because well, I wasn't on there, and you're talking to Glenn, so that's one I'm definitely going to listen to. Um, there, I did have one issue with what you... What you said there, Jim, and it was probably a throwaway line which you don't remember, but you said something that um, when you're a kid or you're a young person, you don't have any, um, oh, what do you call it, any disposable income, but now that we're you know, in our 30s or whatever, we do. No, mate, it's the other way around. <laughs> I, I had 100% disposable income when I was a teenager. I had no bills. I had no, nothing else to pay for. <laughs> I thought, 100% I is not to... much, it's not much, though. But, yeah, yeah like, our income's bigger, but <laughs> disposable income. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Anyway, I thought that was interesting. I thought, go over to WA and, yeah, you get you get more disposable income as you get older. That's nice. <laughs> you, buy, you, get, you get rid of your, your, yeah, you get your mortgages sorted before you leave high school. <laughs> not quite like that um, especially <laughs> when you dis- uh, when you decide to have another kid um, so there's going to be even less disposable income so yeah. Yeah. so you're spending up quickly now before the kid arrives well that's it sh- um, yeah better. that's what I'm saving already for uh, supernova in uh, June um, baby's due May and for my birthday I was given a little a little uh, bit of paper that said 2018 Sydney Supernova ticket, and that was my birthday present. So, ah, the best so you are locked your in. Wife could be, I am locked in. Um, I'm going to be buying my airfare tickets post, you know, the Boxing Day sales. So, I, you know, so that way the wife can't uh, change her mind. <laughs> <laughs> I've organised, um, uh, the wife has organised three or four ladies to, you know, like help her out with meals and stuff while I'm gone and. So all locked in. Ah, very good. God, that's some planning. That's seven months ahead. Well done. Oh, mate. Well, yeah, you've got to get in before it gets changed. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. And I'm squirrelling away those $5 notes as well. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I started squirrelling away, and then uh, Fru keeps you know, sending out these $10 comics like Phantom's World and whatever. Oh. <laughs> yeah. Save a little bit, and then there it goes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
and we've certainly got a lot of comics to talk about um, when we when we get to that stage, um, including some Phantom's World and some Giant Size and quite a number of $10 comics, actually, as it's turned out with the, the Christmas special as well. Um, but in terms of the news, and I guess most of it has come out of um, uh, the interview that we did with Glenn, um, the trade paperback, which we've all seen. Oh, have we all seen that now, gents? It's been out for weeks. What's that, the trade paperback? No. Yeah, you must... You've, I've, I've had paperback. a bit of a look through it. Yeah, yeah I've it this week. Had a bit of a look. And uh, the video review has is, is gone viral, so to speak, in terms of, of, of for us. Um, beautiful book. You you must have really enjoyed it, Jermaine. Yeah, I know you're just rubbing it in. Um, no, <laughs> uh, my, comic, my comic book shop is only just getting the trade paperback in this week. Um, I think through um, forgetting that there's another big state over here in WA and they just kind of leave us the last. They must be doing it in, like, you know, alphabetical order or something like that. There's um, pretty much just you and Callum over there buying it. Oh, no, there's, there's Callum, there's uh, Ron Taylor, there's, there's another one, there's three of us. Uh, Glenn's mate, Gary Simpson. Yeah. Um, <laughs> So there's four of us. So there's always four of us. Um, but no, I haven't I haven't received the free trade paperback yeah. yet. So I, I guess haven't even the got new- the Phantoms World either, and I'm a subscriber for that. So um, <laughs> I think I think I think what had happened is they were having their Christmas party and they had too many champagnes and a uh, fruit cake or Christmas pudding, and they decided to leave WA for last. <laughs> so I might get it uh, next year. Oh, all right, well, I'm sure we'll discuss those comics in more detail when we get to the comics <laughs> section. Well, some of us will discuss them in more detail. Um, <laughs> but you have got the Christmas special, though, don't you, Jim? Yes, I got the Christmas special today, um, which was nice, which is what makes me, you know, curious and why I didn't get the fans well, because, hmm. you know... Like, well, actually, my Christmas special and my to... fandom as well were both in the same envelope. Yeah, so... Never mind. Anyway... Um, it, it, it does raise the question, though. The news of these trade paperbacks, and now that we're starting to see them um, come out, this is obviously trade paperback one, um, themed around the origin stories, or for those who came in late. Um, any ideas, gents, on, on concepts you'd like to pitch to Fru or, or suggest to Fru um, for what the theme should be for future trade paperbacks? We know that Phantom by Gaslight will be one when it comes out. We know that um, Heart of Darkness... Um, as Heart well. of Darkness, Kid Phantom will be a trade paperback. Did um, he mention the triads? He mentioned the triads as a as a potential one. Mm. Um, that would be good. I would like to see. Um, I would have liked to see that wedding special as a trade paperback. I would have thought that would have been a brilliant one. Um, mm. The other ones I would like to see is. Um, and Glenn kind of made mention of it in the podcast where you do a trade paperback on, um, like, a certain artist. Um, so, say, for instance, like, you do all Raid Moore He's doing that for Phantom as well, isn't he? Um, well, he's, he's kind of mentioned that, yeah, like, for instance, this Phantom's world was all done by a fairy, and he's kind of made mention of that. Um, but I just thought that, you know, I, I think... You know, kind of get some of the stories out there, like a Jamie Lavelle or something. That's a that's a potential idea. Um, you know, like maybe like female gangs or or something like that. Like a, but yeah, there's. I don't know. Do you guys have any other um, potential themes? No, nothing oh. at the moment. Pardon, no. it's been told. 
given that we, I didn't plan on asking that question, just threw it out and didn't give us any any time to think about it. I don't. <laughs> yeah, question without notice. Yeah, thanks, Dan. <laughs> yeah, that, that I've given to you and me. <laughs> um, oh, look, maybe and certainly as there, there's more of them coming now, a, a trade paperback around Australian um, created stories. Um, get yeah. search for Byron in there, and then the Keith Chaddo stories as well. Um, yeah. And then by then you have the Jamie Johnson one. You have um, uh, Andrew Constance writing a few more um, yeah, Shane Baldwin. Foley ones. Yeah. yeah, so you've got all those um, uh, those other ones as well. Um, one that I wouldn't that I would like to see, and I'm not sure whether this would be would work. Especially in Australia, with but what the Swedes do quite nicely is the chronicle stories. Mm. So they'll do like a trade paperback for the first Phantom, and then the second Phantom, and the third Phantom. Mm. So we'll see stuff like when they're swearing the oath, or or becoming the first Phantom, like their first adventure when they find their wife, or mm. you know. So like you could do some, you could do something like that. Mm. That, that could be a potential. And then there's there's potentially twenty trade paperbacks there. Yeah. Um, and you wouldn't have to do every story, but you could do, you know, um, you know, say, what, 300 pages, 200 pages yeah. of those stories, which allows you to choose the better ones, the better quality ones, the ones that are going to appeal to the Australian audience or the wider audience more. So that could be a potential idea. You've got to make sure there's 300 pages worth of stories for each uh, generation, though, mate. That's a, that's oh, a lot that's of pages. That's quite for... easily. That will be quite easily. It's, some will have, you know, a lot more, so some will have a lot yeah. more to choose from. But I can mm. safely say there will be at least 300 pages for each Phantom. Yeah. Yeah. For each. We've got to remember, we're, you know, we're not just including fruit. We're not just including no, no, fruit uh, stories. Yeah. <laughs> It's interesting. I've just gone to um, the Reddit page, Reddit um, Phantom Fans, Reddit slash R slash Phantom Fans with a PH, um, where Joe put up a, a query about the trade paperbacks and what would people like to see. There's only two comments, um, and one of them is mine, uh, which I've just remembered that I put there, uh, my collection of the Marshall Sisters stories, um, especially with that new yeah. one coming out. I think that would be cool. Um, but there's another McCoy fan, is the username there, um, who has suggested Phantom Goes to War as a trade paperback would be really, really cool. Um, makes a whole bunch of comments here about um, what the current um, trade paperback looks like, mostly really positive, um, but has suggested that um, future volumes will probably focus on Swedish stories that are already in colour. I'm not, I don't know about that because Ivan Peterson did a really good job of colouring the, the trade paperback. Mm. Um, but he's also made the point here, personally, I wouldn't mind them printing the classic daily stories in black and white if, um, oh, sorry, yeah, the classic daily stories in black and white if colour is too difficult, so. Yeah. The problem I have with going with um, the dailies and Sundays is that we already see that with Herms, and I know, and we've discussed this a few times, and I know Herms is a higher market and everything like that, but, you know, it, it's it's hard to do something when there's already already something being produced for that. Mm. Now, hey. just in answer to your question, Stephen, on the Phantom Wiki, um, oh. you can. You can what question? In, I had totally forgotten what I was. What question I asked? Um, 
Others making discussion. I'm a fan yeah, of, I think I'm he's going to pull you up on doubting that there's enough comics uh, pages to yeah. reach fans. So I'm a fan <laughs> oh, yeah, of I'll figure it out. In, so, you see, um, Domain counts on, the Swedish let me, stories. Let me answer, so. let me answer the question. Now, if let we, we just keep talking, you won't be able to answer. So. Uh, <laughs> Sorry, what was that? Um, okay, so in answer to your question regarding are there enough stories... I'm just going through every single Phantom. You can actually go through every Phantom from the first Phantom, including the all the way up to the 31st Phantom. Yeah, that is, um, that's trippy, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. Um, and they actually, um, on the wiki, they've actually got a list of every daily Sunday story, every team Phantom End story, and every known other story, like Bass, you know, like the German, the Brazil, French and stuff like that. And I'm up to the 12th Phantom. I'm just going flicking through. And the the least amount of stories for that one Phantom, or for one of those Phantoms, there's probably about, say, 10, 8, 10 stories. Hmm. So, you know, ones like the 12th and 13th, there's probably about, oh, there's probably, there was probably about 40, maybe 50 stories about the 12th or 13th Phantom. So I think there's enough. This one here, uh, the 15th Phantom, there's been no daily or uh, Sunday stories, and there's 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10 stories about the 15th Phantom, including some good ones like the Unknown Commander about where he gets killed by the um, uh, the sin pirate who in- infiltrates the jungle patrol and stuff like that. So they're not counting I think, um, any of the German stories where they think the current fandom is the fifteenth fandom, are they? Um, <laughs> is it fifteenth or the sixteenth? Oh, I thought. But, yeah, no. Yeah. yeah anyway, there's, two, there's um, a number of stories there for. Yep. Yeah. So the the point is, is that there's you it know there's done. it could be done quite easily. Mm. Good. Yeah, cool. Well, uh, look, to be honest, I think the biggest news that um, came out of, certainly the, the most exciting news for me uh, that came out of Glenn's interview was the idea of a Phantom board game and um, mm. where that could go. So, um, Jermaine, Steve, you Steve, mm. you've listened to it since. Jermaine, you were there. What are your thoughts on the board game? Um, I think it's a great idea. Um, it will be, you know, I guess there's endless options with what Glenn's told us, you know, it will be great. Um, so, you yeah, know, I'm looking forward to learning more about it. Yeah. Same here. Look, Glenn couldn't tell us much about it. So yeah, I look, I'd look forward to, uh, to hearing a bit more about it. Well, it's, of course, it's, uh, interesting that you should say that because as I sit here in the expand radio room of the skull cave, who should come wandering in, uh, but someone who can tell us quite a lot about the Phantom board game, um, and that really, be, yes, <laughs> come into the studio. We, this is <laughs> we obviously did not practice this at all. <laughs> <laughs> no, um, we've got a very special guest to talk to us about the Phantom board game and let us know um, as much as we can possibly know at that st- at this stage. And that is actually, um, I'm, I'm, well, we'll find out exactly what his role is. Alex Winter, who is a game designer and uh, a creative creative director at a number of gaming companies and that sort of thing in Australia. Um, Alex, thanks for joining us. Hi, thanks for having me. Thanks so much so would, for coming on board. Would, would really Alex it. be the first guest in a comics and news podcast? 
Must be, I think. Yeah, we've got to see things first. Yes. Um, Welcome, Alex. (laughs) (laughs) Hi, Um, I'm glad to be here. Cool. So, so Alex, um, really appreciate you getting in touch with us and, and um, wanting to, to talk about the game, and we're really keen to you know, bend your ear and find out as much as we can about it. Before we do, though, can we find a little bit about you? Um, you know, I think you've, you've said that you're based in Victoria, but um, you're a game designer by trade? Uh, actually, well, yeah, sort of. So I'm a, I'm a graphic designer by trade, and uh-huh. I teach graphic design, um, which uh, was nicely combined into my hobby of board games. And I've been designing and developing board games for about seven years now, and I have two published games currently. Mm-hmm. Um, I run they? a couple of board. Uh, one's called Ninjitsu, which is about ninja animals escaping a zoo, mm-hmm. and um, one that was recently kickstarted uh, in August, which is called the Brigade. The oh god, every time I say it, the Brigade, um, which is a fantasy firefighting game, um, which you can play. Semi-cooperatively or um, cooperatively or by yourself if you really want to. And um, we raised just over $144,000 on Kickstarter in August. Wow. Wow. Okay. Cool. And um, now, you, now you're branching into a Phantom game. Uh, yeah, which wasn't entirely my doing. This was um, my friend Dale. So we... Uh, we were, we've been working on a game for about, uh, what's about two years now, but we were working on a board game and Dale had just read this set of three Phantom comics, which is, uh, I think it was called the Red Dragon trilogy. Mm-hmm. Um, yep. it's yep. like, yeah, I've got it up here. It is Pirates of the Red Dragon, um, which yes. is a three part series. And Fru um, published that in Australia earlier this year. Yes, it was this year, yeah. yeah. So Dale actually read these three comics, and when he got to the last one, he's reading it, and he was just playing in his mind. He's like, this this is our board game. This is exactly the board game that we have been working on for a year and a half. <laughs> oh, wow. And he, he called wow. me up straight away. He took some photos of the comics, some scans, sent them to me, and I'm like, I've got to read the whole thing now. So I, I went to his house, just read the three comics, and I'm like, this is our board game. And he'd already done <laughs> all this. <laughs> he'd already done all this research. So he'd found out uh, who, like, the, the head honchos were, who the regional people were, who owned the license um, here, now, past, whatever. And he'd already actually called up through. <laughs> and, um, and I'm like this this is amazing what do we do he's like i uh, we we've got to make a sell sheet because i've already called up fru um <laughs> so fru were actually quite interested in um in hearing about the game that we developed because it was on their minds as well so we ended up uh creating the sell sheet fairly fast dale's a, a comic book writer and he's he's actually got a couple of published comic books himself um, and that's how he, he's heavily into the comic book industry and I'm heavily into the board game industry and we just worked really well together. Yeah. So he, um, he wrote up this sell sheet. I put it together with all my graphic design skills and um, we sent it to them and about a week later they're like, you better come in for a meeting. Now, we're both in Victoria <laughs> and they're like, all right, so we're available this date and this date, which is about a week away and uh, they're in Sydney. So we had to, uh, well, I, I had to do a lot of this bit. Dale did all the writing and stuff, but I had to 
put together an entire prototype um, with like mock-up graphics, mock-up artwork, all the rest. Um, and we like uh, every single night for about six hours after I got home from work, we was doing this prototype <laughs> and got it all printed, created, done, made it look so professional. It wasn't funny. Um, and we got it all ready. And then we did this whirlwind trip to Sydney. So we flew up there on like Friday night, had the meeting on Saturday morning and left Saturday afternoon. It was crazy. Um, <laughs> The funniest thing was uh, sort of uh, Dale, without telling everyone, um, he, he prints, a, prints stuff off for free at work. And uh, he was in charge of printing some things off and I was in charge of printing other things off just to split the load because there was a lot to do. And uh, we got there on Friday night. We got to our hostel and we're sort of like going over what we're doing, what we're saying, um, got the game already, got it out, had a look at it. And I'm like, where are the cards? Dale's like, uh you were in charge of the cards? I'm oh, like, no. no. <laughs> you you were in charge of the cards. And he's like, oh, shit. Oh, so no. he'd left them at home. <laughs> he'd left them at home. Um, so we quickly found the friendly local gaming store, which is Good Games in Hertzville, I think. Um, we caught a train there, walked there, bought this pack. And Look, we got the most beautiful purple card sleeves there were in the store, right? <laughs> And it came in a pack of 80, and there were 80 cards in the game. Oh, we went wow. back to our hostel, and um, luckily across the road from the hostel, there was a place that dipped some printing. So um, the next morning, I went there, got stuff printed, started cutting it up, um, putting them in the sleeves, 79 sleeves. Oh, no. <laughs> Not 80, 79 <laughs> sleeves. <laughs> Dale was really angry about it, <laughs> but, you know, in the long run, no one's going to notice one card missing because, you know. It's just a prototype. It, it, it didn't matter that much. <laughs> yeah. Still, you want to do it They were the most right, yeah. beautiful purple sleeves I have ever seen. They were like a nice sheen, like matte metallic. Oh, it was beautiful. 79 of them and, yeah, really pissed Dale off. <laughs> <laughs> well, obviously it worked because they seemed to like it. Yeah, they, they love the concept of the game. Um, they love the story we were telling. And um, a bit further down the track, Glenn came to visit us in Victoria and we played it with him and he loved that. It has changed a little bit since then, but that's what we do as game designers. Sure. We iterate mm. and change, fix up. And um, we actually decided uh, that, like, when, when we talk about a board game or designing a board game, you need to work out what the experience is going to be. And we needed to make sure that whoever was having this experience was having the best experience that we can give them. The board game was a little bit more geared towards the board game market. And I said, no, we need to gear it more towards the comic book market because it's a different market. We need to play it differently. We need to give them, uh, make it easier, make it um, I'm not saying comic book people are dumb. just saying that they <laughs> might not have played as many board games as I have. And um, we needed to make it just easier to learn the rules, when we, which when is we good read, in any We like game. lots of pictures, so, you know, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> and fan of yeah, fans are true. a very special um, group of comic book readers as well. <laughs> yeah. So Dale has actually come up with this concept, which we sort of, we've, we've blended it into the current game format. So we had a certain way of doing 
a few things in the game. We've transferred it to a different way of doing things in the game, which should make you feel like you're actually creating a comic as you're playing. So you're sort of part of the comic book storyline as you're playing and then the next part comes in, the next part comes in, and the next part comes in, and then it's the end of the game. And it should feel like you're in the story dictating how the story is going. Cool. With, with that, like, um, uh, is each different player like a different character? So their role in the story is uh, different or they can change the change the story towards it, you know, to benefit their character? Um, it's not quite that detailed, no. But, yes, every player is playing a different character. Um, there will be – it's a six-player game, so there are six characters to choose from. Okay, and uh, – So what are the characters? I'm assuming it's, what, Phantom, Princess Sin, Diana? You're good so far. <laughs> uh, that's, that's what – that's three. Um, who else are we missing? Oh, oh crikey. Right. Uh, <laughs> What about the ninjurettes? Are they in it? No, they were cool, though. <laughs> yeah, that's, They might that's be featured in the game at some point, but it's not really part of the character. It would be part of that storyline that I was talking about before, part of that experience. So yeah, cool. what, what sort of gameplay is it? Like, there's so many different types of board games out there um, that, that people will have played before. Is it comparable to anything that you can suggest that we might have played before? Um, you know what? I have this weird thing where I design these board games and they're not comparable to other, sure. other board games <laughs> I've played before. <laughs> and believe me, it happens a lot. And um, it, I guess it's a good thing because trying to get something unique in this day yeah. and age is quite hard. But... Um, mm. Like, like I said, Dale's Dale's really heavily into the comic book industry, and I'm heavily into the board game industry. And when we sort of mesh these two skill sets together, we have created something that is a fair bit different. To uh, I, I, I haven't played a game like it. No, yeah. if if I had to classify it, it uh, the name. This is a bad name, but it, it's called Ameritrash, and you will have the choice of where to move around in the board on the board, but um, some of the things will be just determined by a dice roll. Okay. Okay. Cool. Well, okay. Yeah. Um. So, question for you, Stephen, Dan. Have you guys ever played many board games? Uh yeah, quite a number as a kid, and um, now with my kids, yeah, for sure. Yeah. My kids are still a bit young. We're still on, you know. And that raises a question too, there, Alex. What sort of age um, age group are you targeting this at? Like on the box, is it going to say ages eight to eighty, or some, you know, this sort of thing? <laughs> um, that's a good question. Uh, we haven't really tested it with with younger people, but my 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 board game, the Brigade. When I was doing the testing, um, I sort of thought, you know, maybe maybe fourteen years and up. But there were kids of 10 years. I took it to a board game convention called Shepacon, which is in June um, this year and last year. Um, and next year, sorry. Uh, and there was a little girl there, um, and she was 12 years old, and I ran a brigade tournament, and she didn't lose one game and won the entire tournament. <laughs> so oh, wow. um, I I do try and cr- – we, we have created the game so that you can just learn the rules fairly easily. There shouldn't be that yeah. much. It is common sense and logic. Like, you know, you move here, something happens. You move there, something else happens. You play a card, 
what what does the card say? That's what happens. Sure. Like it, yep. it's very logical, um, and I, I think it probably will just say eight and up or ten and up or something yep. like that. Yeah, awesome. Cool. So, uh, well, and I guess it, that the other question regarding yeah, so. kids and parts of the Red Dragon. Obviously, there's a bit of nudity and uh, that sort of thing in the comic. Um, is that is that a factor when it comes to classifying it? No, not at all. Um, we, I mean, there's no nudity in the board game unless you want to play it naked. <laughs> They're a bit weird up in Queensland. Um. <laughs> well, can you, is there a strip version? <laughs> I guess is the next question. <laughs> not yet. Do whatever you want up there, Dan. Uh, <laughs> it, it is stinking hot. <laughs> ah, cool. Okay. So, is it a... Is it a board game where, like, you can buy extension packs and, ex- you know, extension pieces and stuff like that, or is it a, a game where you buy the set and that's it? Well, the good thing we're doing is we're going to be launching it on Kickstarter, which is, uh, yeah. for those people that don't know what Kickstarter is, it's called a crowdfunding platform. So what the deal is is that we will put the project up, we'll put up a video, we'll put up pictures, we'll put up... Um, animations like we'll show you how the game looks how it feels what it plays like we'll have reviews up there we'll have um, what the characters are all written up on this kickstarter page and then what you do is you go there you have a look at the project if you like what you see you essentially promise us money so there'll be different tiers and different awards rewards for those tiers and whatever the price of the board game is will probably be the second tier because the first tier is usually a donation based one so you know you donate $10 to the cause or just to stay in touch or whatever it is the second tier will be buy the board game anyone that buys that board game will get the board game if we make our target and our target might be something like $20,000 and to get $20,000 we'll probably need something like 200, 250 backers so we'll need 250 people to come and promise us money for the board game yeah if we hit our target, everyone gets the board game. If we don't hit our target, it doesn't get made. So right, and you don't you don't pay the money either. No, you don't pay the money. We yeah. don't get any money. We've just wasted our time creating this amazing campaign. <laughs> so <laughs> um, are there twelve months with this Kickstarter, or you just keep it going? Thirty days. All right. right. Okay. We'll okay. have thirty Raise days. Raise twenty grand. It's possible, <laughs> but what, what well, we you do... Said, kick- you said, what was it, Brigade, you raised 140? I over 700% on the funding. Yes, yeah, well, this is really annoying, but we raised $144,908. Uh, not 145. <laughs> not 145, <laughs> which is really frustrating, because I would have loved to say, oh, yeah, we made 145000 but I can't say that. So. <laughs> you should have just donated that extra what uh, extra ninety two dollars. Okay, and and then the, to follow on from what you're saying, then there'd be some. Is there a third tier where people get some bonus content or something? Is that what you're suggesting? Uh, well, I don't like doing it that way. I, I like that if everyone buys the game, they get all the free stuff. But uh, there yeah. would be a third fourth tier, and these are usually like um, you know maybe buy a collector's edition so you get two copies of the game and then there might be a, um, a group pledge so you get six copies of the game but they all just get sent to the one place so it saves up for us on shipping, oh, yeah. saves you money and then your friends just all get a copy or whatever. 
Yep. You just yep. put in money together. Um, and there'll probably be a, a retailer pledge, which might be like 10, uh, 10 copies or, you know, 15 copies so that yeah. a retailer comic book store can go, oh, well, I want in on this. I want first dibs. So I'm going to donate yeah. to the campaign because all the retail stuff will come way after. Now, right. the other part is as we're trying to raise this money, what we do as incentives is we have these things called stretch goals. So if our goal is at $20,000, at $30,000, we add in free stuff. So before when I said there are six characters, we are planning for two additional characters that you can play. Cool. So if we hit our $30,000 goal, we chuck in an extra character and everyone will get that character. Everyone that has donated to the Kickstarter will get that into every game. Cool. Um, And we're going to have several different stretch goals, which will probably be in $10,000 increments. So um, the more people that join the campaign, the more people that donate money to it, the more free stuff everyone gets. Well, okay. So it's yeah, like that's, 20 grand is your base game. Once that's, and if you raise any more money, the, the, the game gets bigger, like you're able to add more stuff into it. Yep. And yep. everyone gets the benefit, which I, th- yeah. I like the sound that's, of that. That's great. Yeah, I mm. like the sound of that. That's that's why I design campaigns that way, because no one wants to donate, like as you said, would there be a second tier with bonus goodies? No one wants to donate to a campaign and then not get the free stuff that other people are getting. Yeah, yeah. Mm. And it also means that not everyone's got the money to be able to do the whole lot, but it's like if you buy a board game and everyone everyone kind of gets the same. I like the sound of that. And then if, exactly. we, if we all go and, for instance, hassle, hassle our own local comic shops to say, look, why don't you do a retailer's pledge or whatever, then the potential for the game yeah. to get better for everybody is, mm. is there. Well, the other benefit of you going to your um, local reta- retailer is saying that, um, most of all, all the free stuff that you will get as a donator to the campaign will not be in the retailer box. This is Kickstarter exclusive stuff, uh, okay. uh, which again just helps us reach our goal. Like it's incentive for you guys to go. We need to make this happen. Sure, sure. And so, yeah, okay, definitely. so let's assume. And and you said two hundred and fifty odd people. I I feel quietly confident that, that that could happen. I'm sure you do too. Otherwise, you wouldn't be embarking on it um say that does it's a, happen it's a scary scary yeah, thing I, to do, but... I, I can imagine it would be would be very scary but um i you know i'd like to think that that, that well for instance there's 1500 people in our facebook um phantom collector group um and and i think 1800 or so that follow the the podcast and the website on facebook so there's there's at least that many fans who are Interested enough to click follow or like. Let's see how many are interested enough to put in their hands in their pockets, I suppose. But um, That sounds fantastic. Yeah. <laughs> the, the, certainly the people are out there. Um, so if, yeah. if the Kickstarter campaign is successful and, and it goes ahead and all of those people are mailed their games, that's fantastic. But then, there's, then there is a retail game that will come out in shops down the track as well then. Yeah, essentially we have a minimum print run. So um, when you when you order these things, you have a, a minimum order quantity, and that order quantity will be a thousand copies of the game. So whether we get a thousand copies of the free stuff or the extra stuff, that's that's where we um, will change what we're doing. So essentially, we want to get heaps of copies of the game. Um, I think the brigade had something like 2,500 backers, something around there, mm-hmm. um, which meant that we needed to make uh, roughly 3,000 
3,500 copies of the game. Um, Yeah, which is fantastic. So Mm. we would essentially make uh, about 3,000 Kickstarter exclusive copies of the game and then 500 extra without the free stuff that we can give to stores. Okay. Yeah. And and do you, Mm. when you say stores, do you usually go to um, just privately owned local comic book shops or you don't don't have a window into um, department stores, that sort of thing? Into distribution? Yeah. Uh, we don't, but Fru do, so ah, we're course. pretty lucky. Of course. So <laughs> that, that, that's a very exciting um, uh, addition to your to your plan there, I guess. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. So when are you planning so, on starting the Kickstarter? Uh, good question. <laughs> At the moment, um, it is planned around PAX Australia in November next year. So start of November, end of October, start of November, and it will be open for 30 days. We will hopefully be demoing it. Um, so we will have sort of a, a good, a, a, an okay prototype copy for Supernova. Um, and For display or for sale? Just for display <laughs> and letting people have a quick Prototype, go mate. Miss the word <laughs> Oh, yeah. <laughs> but at the end of no, Supernova... He's trying, to, he's, trying to, he's trying to get in to buy the prototype. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> um, so people, like a playable version that people can, can sit down at the free booth or wherever at Supernova and play. Correct. And I'll, I will have one at PAX. So I've, I've had a booth at PAX for the last couple of years um, with the TGDA, which is the Tabletop Game Designers of Australia. Um, I'll be demoing, probably demoing the Phantom there um, for uh, at least a third of PAX. Okay. And and for the uninitiated, like probably all three of us, PAX is? Oh, PAX is probably the biggest gaming convention in Australia. Um, It happens at the end of October, start of November, sort of over uh, Melbourne Cup, really close to Melbourne Cup weekend. Um, and it stands for the Penny Arcade Expo. It started in America. They've only got one show in Australia, and they have roughly 50,000 people attend each day, and it runs Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So half of it is dedicated to video gaming, and the other half is dedicated strictly to board gaming. Hmm. And they have, like, 2,500 board gaming tables, which are usually absolutely packed with people playing board games. Um, and as part of the Tabletop Game Designers of Australia, we have a booth there where I get a bunch of local Australian designers to all demo their games and things they're kick-starting, and um, I've had it for two years, so we're having a bigger booth next year, and I'll be demoing the, the Phantom there, so we should be able to, you know, anyone that wants to rock up to the booth uh, can just, you know, come and, come and play, come and watch, come and talk to me, whatever. That's in Melbourne? Yes, yeah. Yeah. It's only in Melbourne. <laughs> yep, yep. So, Stephen, you'll definitely be there. Um, I, I think I'm um, just going to put that on the calendar now, and I'll... <laughs> Call in sick that day. <laughs> <laughs> oh, well, don't work to, weekends. True, might yeah. have to get your uh, Phantom costume out, Steve, and uh, use that as a point of sale. <laughs> yeah, well, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and, and so you just said the, the Phantom a couple of times. Is that the, the working title, or is that the final title? Has it got a name? It doesn't have a name yet, no. Mm. No, that's Dale's job anyway. Yep. <laughs> yeah. I'm not a writer. I write like a kindergarten. 
You just do all the pretty stuff, all the graphics. Yeah, yeah, I do all the pretty stuff. That's right. And, and um, speaking that of actually pretty brings stuff, up an interesting yeah, point. Go. Yeah, so, oh, sorry, you go. Oh, okay. Um, Glenn Ford is actually going to be doing the majority of the artwork for the game, which will be all brand new, custom done artwork for it. Oh wow. Um, wow! And we also plan to sell the originals as part of the Kickstarter campaign, where one of the tiers would be buy the game and get an original piece of the artwork done specifically for this game. Wow. Okay. That's well, what the fan of fans on board you've now. Probably, yeah, you've probably <laughs> just sold uh, probably a whole bunch of people who are, you know, uh, yep. into the... Because with the Phantom, uh, original art is... It, there's a huge um, market. Uh, market that has started to emerge in the last couple of years, especially amongst Australians. So, and there's quite a few overseas as well. So I reckon um, that's probably a very good level to have. I know I'll be keenly <laughs> looking at that as well. Yeah, my, my wallet just You'll got You'll have to get in quick because <laughs> there won't be that many pieces. I, I think um, at the moment there are roughly 40 cards and then there'll be some artwork for the player boards. So roughly 46, 48 pieces. That will be can up we, for sale. Can we reserve one? Like, yeah, you know, three months of gifts. <laughs> you just, you just have to get in there as fast as you can, and oh, that's part on, of the marketing for Kickstarter as well. <laughs> <laughs> you are. How much did I have to pay you to be on this podcast? Okay. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, part of the promotion sounds, sounds very good. Part of the promotion for Kickstarter is that if we can say that we funded within 24 hours, it's a big sales point as well. They've got this website called KickTrack, and the more clicks we get every single day, the higher on KickTrack we get, which means that we can promote more and everything. Like, everything just goes better. Yeah. Yeah. I did a bit of research on Kickstarter today, and it's, um, yeah, it's, it's, uh, it's amazing just about the whole thing. It's, um, it's like set up from this, from what I've read and looked into, and that it's set up very good. Um, it doesn't seem, you know, it's not dodgy at all. It's you know all above board. That's what no, I mean. yeah, and, and, and it's yeah, been going now. for about six or seven years as well. Like it was only mm. in America, but they recently came to Australia. When I say recently, probably about two years ago, mm. came to Australia. Um, Australia did have its own Australian version. Um, I, I it's probably dead now. It wasn't very good, but. Um, <laughs> The American Kickstarter website is just amazing. Like the format's good, mm. the the way everything has to be presented, the way you have to get it approved beforehand, the way you have to follow their guidelines. Like it yep. is a fantastic website, and I think that's going to be one of the hardest parts for us to market because uh, a lot of the Phantom hardcore fans will be an older generation that haven't even heard of Kickstarter before. Yeah. When yes. um, Dale first mentioned this to the head honchos that own the license, all the licenses for the Phantom, they didn't know what Kickstarter was. So we had to explain it to them. Is that merchant-wise in Australia or King Features in America? King. King Features. They didn't know what it was. And then I think we had to re-explain it to merchant-wise. And then we had to also, yeah, sort of, Fru knew what it was, but we just went into more detail. Yeah. 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 So, again, just for those who are listening to this, because... The reason I want to stress this is because probably about oh, probably about four or five years ago, there was a um, a campaign where you 
pay money, you buy your your figurine in advance, and then you would get it, and it never happened, and you never got your money back. So and there was a lot of fan and fans that, that was were just done privately. Burnt by that. that that wasn't. Yeah. So that wasn't what I'm saying. Yeah, like exactly. So what I'm saying is that wasn't Kickstarter, and again, for those who are maybe dubious on this whole Kickstarter program, uh, do a little bit of research. And again, let us stress that if the goal does not get met, you do not pay the money. And then you... That's right. Uh, yes. Yeah. I just think it's, like you said, a lot of the fandom readers, a lot of the audience are of the older generation. So I think it is important to stress that, that there is no initial money. It's not a scam. Uh, yeah. yeah. And, and you, <laughs> there is a... A commitment that you have to sign up to when you when you do run a, king, a Kickstarter campaign, mm. isn't there? That if you reach the, the the level, it's compulsory. You just have to produce the game and send it to people, don't you? Uh, Kickstarter does not uphold that, but local laws do. Right. Yeah, yes. Okay. So there you go. So, so there, we we can essentially be sued from a from a class class act if we fail to produce. Now, with Kickstarters, though, a lot of people uh, end up, you you do end up waiting a large amount of time. But what, what we do as um, the produ- producers of this game is that we, if, you're, if you've donated to the campaign, we run updates. We keep you updated. We show you what's happening the whole way. With the Brigade, which we recently finished, we ha- have waited, we have to wait about six months. But, the reason we were waiting six months before people will actually get their hands on a copy was because the artwork had to be produced after the campaign because we didn't have the money to produce the artwork before the campaign, yeah. mm-hmm. right? This is what the money is for. This is why we need to raise $20,000 or whatever it was. Mm-hmm. We need to pay for stuff. Um, so we had to pay for the artwork. Artwork gets done. Artwork takes time. In this case, it will be different. So um, that time span will be reduced a lot. So we are, I'm hoping, I'm hoping to get the, have the game and the artwork 90% finished before the Kickstarter starts. Right. Yeah. So, and so if, the Kickstarter if, is October, November next year. And what are you yep. looking at, say, what, uh, by Christmas next year or just after Christmas? The that's a pretty tight are, deadline, but it will probably be <laughs> after Christmas. <laughs> yeah. I, I just, just, yeah. No, no, it's I good to clarify. Gotta, yeah. Yeah, 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 just, gotta ask, like, just to, uh, just to put it in layman's terms, when we get something produced, um, it's going to be about uh, 30 days to get a sample made, 15 days for shipping the sample. We have to check over the sample. Then there'll be at least another 30 days of production time. Um, and then we need to get it that shipped somewhere. And then the orders have to be fulfilled as well after that, which will be probably yeah. another 15 days. So we're already looking at three months. Yeah. Yeah. So a minimum will be three months, and you know. Yes. So and yeah. So, so that's October, November. That runs the Kickstarter runs thirty days. Yeah. So the first quarter runs of twenty nineteen. Yeah. So yeah. if I have the game completely uh, around ninety percent finished before the Kickstarter campaign, and then the funding reaches its goal, I can continue doing whatever I need to do to finish off that game. Yeah. Right. So as soon as that funding hits that goal. I'll be working hard, Glenn's going to be working hard, Dale's going to be working hard, and we're going to try and finish that game within another, you know, 30 days. Hmm. Wow. Sounds well, that'd very be awesome. good. 
I'm, yeah. Um, yeah, I'm very d- just wondering. And that's your if, um, Kickstarter education for tonight. Yeah, well done. <laughs> <laughs> now, in the near future, when all this is Kickstarter is what you do with the lawnmower when it's not going. <laughs> I've learned now, something. In the near future, when all this is is successful, um, like this is the the Prince of oh, Red Dragon. Um, any chance of getting other Phantom stories? Or have you got any of those in the pipeline at the moment? Phantom stories or Phantom games? Oh, well, this one's Glenn based did, on... Glenn did sort of Dragon. allude to the fact that it was a transferable idea that um, other stories might be able to transfer into a game as well. He might have sold you up the river there a little bit. <laughs> we, we, have, we have discussed uh, only very briefly, but we are potentially doing a couple more games with them. Cool. Yes. Nice. Wow. Yeah. Awesome. Yeah. So there, um, I'm not sure if you know, but there has been a few um, other Phantom Probably board not. games throughout throughout the years. Uh, so there's we've done a video of a uh, majority of them, bar one, I think it was. So um, are they like Monopoly with the Phantom? Yeah, they're very very similar. One of them is this. Um, game that was done in Sweden and uh, Sweden, Norway and Finland I think it was and apparently the instructions are really really hard that I haven't actually met anyone who's actually been successful in actually being able to play the game <laughs> and this was released oh. in like the 70s so uh, yeah. um, it's just a nice collectible piece uh, <laughs> so um, non-functional yeah, so, brand new and yeah, so, um, yeah, no, I'm, I'm looking forward Don't to it. Don't get me um, started on rule sheets. So rule sheets are the <laughs> hardest thing to do. And um, as, as I said, Dale's the writer, so he's got the hard job there. But mm. he, I believe he's planning a way of writing the rules out so that it's sort of like a comic book and you learn the rules oh, nice. as you read through it. That's, that's, that's the idea. Yeah. That would be cool. So um, we... Well, you probably should give Dale his due. So, um, Dale's surname, and, and you said he's got some other comics around, so people could sort of have Dale a Dale McCanty. Yep. yep, Dale McCanty from White Cat Press. He actually just successfully um, kick-started a comic book for himself and uh, another guy, Trevor Wood, I think his name was, and it's called After the oh, Snow. Cool. So if you, Google, hmm. if you Google After the Snow Kickstarter, you'll see his entire project, on Kickstarter, and it was successfully funded and already distributed. And oh, cool. it's a fantastic story. It's a bit, it's a um, post Snow White storyline, and it's about going to be about six comics long. Um, he also did Ink Tales and The Misadventures of Peter Pumpkinhead, which were two other successful Kickstarters he did. Excellent. Yeah, I think I've heard of um, I think I've heard of him and uh, Trevor Wood. So. Around the traps and stuff like that. Funded in 48 yeah. hours, I see. Yes, it was. And it was funded about 600% as well, I believe. Mm. So, well, so these, fan, these aren't just hacks. Are, these are guys yeah, that have, uh, that have got, got the runs on the board. Yep. And I will say this yep. about Phantom fans. We may be few in number um, comparatively to you know, Spider-Man fans or Marvel, DC, etc., um, but they do mm. tend to have deep pockets, don't they, Jim? So deep pockets, very, very loyal and patriotic yes. as well. Um, and a lot of them. Like with a, the other thing that sets us probably apart is that we like more than just comics. Like 
you know, like we like other things, like we like to spend money on other things and have it displayed, where a lot of mm. other fans in uh, Marvel and DC, they're more just into the comics and don't really get into a lot of the other type of stuff. But um, Phantom fans, yeah, tend to like their bits and pieces. So, um, yeah, yeah, I, yeah. I, got a, I got a good feeling this will be popular. Um, yeah. uh, as always, we'll keep we'll keep in touch and keep bugging you with uh, updates so we can let everyone else know as well. Um, yeah, no, I'd love to come on again when we can release yeah. a little bit more. Yeah, and Please. maybe in a couple of months. More than happy, we'll um, use the, the website to... Um, promote the certainly as the kickstarter gets going and right throughout that month to just make sure that people are really aware of it and and really plug it you know to all of the fans to be Sorry? fair we're not gonna we're not gonna plug it until after we've got in for the first <laughs> 46 though you got the original artwork so. 100%, no one knows about it <laughs> we press publish after we've got in <laughs> after we've pl- after we've pledged and then we'll let everyone else know <laughs> <laughs> ah very exciting. So, is there um, is there anything else you'd like to tell us about the the game or, or um, the, the the campaign or anything at this stage, Alex? Um, I I probably would like to say like having deep pockets and stuff is good, but um, Dale and I are definitely not doing this for money. Like mm. when you run a Kickstarter campaign, there are so many fees you have to pay. Um, not only in production costs, you have to pay a Kickstarter percentage of whatever you make. You have to pay PayPal a percentage of whatever you make. Oh. Straight away, you, you've lost $40,000, $50,000, depending on what your campaign does yeah. or makes. Mm. We are not doing this for money. We are doing yeah. this to try and create a unique experience with a really amazing license and just make something awesome and different and not some board game that is just an old-fashioned board game with a tacked-on theme. This is really... Yeah integral to to what the storyline is for the phantom in our game and we want to make it feel like you are playing in a comic book fast-paced action you know good good times fantastic no, that's good and, and look so, anyone who's ever sold yeah. stuff on ebay will find out at the end of the month that a lot of that that gets eaten up in fees so i think people understand mm. uh where you're coming from there uh, that that sounds like yeah. a wonderful motive and you are doing it with Fru as well, so, you know, and we... It is in conjunction Fru, with Fru, yes. Yeah, and Fru is an established company. They've been around since 1949. You guys have got runs on the boards with your kick funders, uh, Kickstarter funds. Um, so, yeah, so it's, you know, it's it's not just a bunch of uh, hacks hmm. <laughs> no. with a pipe drum. No, we are, we are fully experienced and ready to go, yeah. and each of us have our own special parts that we can do, and... Yeah, we're all joined together fairly well. Excellent. That Excellent. sounds brilliant. Um, is there anything that you'd like to plug in terms of how people can, uh, you know, follow you at this stage and, and the and the process, um, you know, whether it's a, a Facebook page or a social media presence? Um, you mentioned yeah, earlier sure. that you do your own podcast, that sort of thing. I do. Um, so uh, if you want to follow any of the game design stuff I do, <laughs> I've got a Facebook page, which is just Games by Alex Winter. Um, and that I will be posting more phantom stuff as it, as it comes in very soon. And, um, also working on another game for Sans Pants Radio, uh, the D and D is for nerds podcast, um, which is also <laughs> going to show up on that page. Uh, I run two podcasts and a podcast network. I do a podcast called Dice Hard, which is all about turning a movie into a board game in about 40 minutes, which is really, really fun. 
Um, so if you do like board games and you like movies, it's a great podcast to listen to. And tell you what, you guys had me on. I'm happy to have you guys on a Dice Hard as well. You can oh, choose you can any it. movie you want. Oh, Billy Zane's The Phantom, of course. <laughs> <laughs> we can do that. Um, I've already pre-recorded three episodes with Dale, which will be airing while the Kickstarter campaign is going. Um, and they're all about cult heroes. So it's uh, The Rocketeer, Mask of Zorro, and uh, some other one that I can't remember right now. Sure, but it, it's really good. <laughs> no, no, we, we didn't do the Phantom specifically because we were making a Phantom game already. Yeah, fair enough. Uh, um, okay. Yeah. <laughs> uh, <laughs> otherwise, Red, Red Genie Games is another Facebook page that I do. And if you Google The Brigade Kickstarter, you'll already see one very successful project that I've done and how much work and effort goes into a Kickstarter page. Cool. Well, I've been checking out The Brigade. Uh, website while you've been talking that looks magnificent thanks <laughs> that's all right i can tell you it's really fun too <laughs> cool so with that little girl that uh said that she never lost a game was that <laughs> yeah did she um did she beat you as well uh i didn't actually play it i only i i showed and taught people how to play it. i probably taught about 30 people over the weekend of Shepacon. And then I ran my tournament, and people were borrowing it themselves and reading the rules, which which meant that I did the rule sheets right, which was a good thing. <laughs> um, and she played it with her father and then with her family. She taught her family how to play. Then she entered the tournament. She won the first round, and then she went to the second round and just blitzed them. So, yeah, she was awesome. Cool. And maybe it's just as well you didn't play her then, huh? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, probably. <laughs> And uh, and this is going to be available to international um, listeners as well, not just Australian fans. It's um, unofficially available to everyone. Right. Yeah, licensing. <laughs> Isn't that beautiful? Licensing. <laughs> yeah. yeah. <laughs> cool. So that's a good question. If licensing, does that is that through that will be handling that? Uh, they, yeah, so Fru is a team of two people, and as I said before, we've all got our different skill sets and things mm. like that, um, and Renee from Fru is the one dealing with accounts and licensing stuff, um, while Glenn and I are more on the artwork side, and then yeah. I'm doing, Dale and I are doing board games, and then Dale's doing writing and um, rules and we will be working on the Kickstarter together, yeah. So Renee will yeah. be doing most of the licensing stuff, and it has been discussed. <laughs> and, yeah, it, I I probably shouldn't go into it much, so I'll probably leave it there. <laughs> yeah, no, that's fine. That's fine. That's fine. Oh, I'm, I'm doing a little bit of Facebook stalking on you there, Alex. <laughs> with, your, um, with your Dice Hard podcast, did you guys do yeah. a podcast about creating a, a board game of a movie that's already based on a board game in regards we to Battleship? Will be soon. Yeah, <laughs> we did We did do Battleship, and next year um, there will be a trilogy of games turned into movies turned into board games. <laughs> that's very funny. Cool. You're all checking out the Dice Hard now. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it, it sounds really, um, really cool, and I think um, you'll certainly pick up at least three extra listeners 
Um, and certainly a few more, I would have think through um, through the Kickstarter campaign and that sort of thing. I'll watch it spike. It'll go to five. <laughs> <laughs> no, you'll be double us then. <laughs> yeah, very good. Cool. All right. Well, thank you so much for joining us tonight, Alex. Really yes, appreciate it. Um, it's been so informative and, and, and just really exciting to, to think that, um, as Jermaine said, the 1970s are about the last time we saw a, 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 any sort of fan and board game. I don't think there's ever been one produced in Australia. And uh, for that it to was, be coming around... It happened to be the, the right place, the right time for us and, yeah. and mm. for Fru. So, yeah, it just worked really well. Yeah, wonderful. Excellent. All right, yeah, well, well, we'll be been... keeping a very close eye on it. And um, anything yes. that you want... Um, Promoted to the Phantom community, we'll help out with that as best as we possibly can. Thank you very much. No worries at all. So Alex is now just wandering out of the radio room and the uh, Skull Cave studio, and, and we give him a wave and say thanks very much again for, for joining us. Um, some fantastic news about that comic. You guys are excited about uh, Sorry, the game. The fantastic news about that comic-based game. Um, you guys are going to be pretty excited about that. I loved what I heard. I did not expect it to be that much. I expected maybe like a, you know, 15, 20 minute chat, talk about, you know, uh, a little bit of bit, a little bit about it and, you know, what our appetites, but he, you know, literally, you know, gave us everything almost. It was awesome. <laughs> yeah. Well, yeah, we had a, we had a bunch of questions lined up and, um, he answered all of them comfortably. <laughs> yeah, without us, <laughs> without us having to say anything. One of them. <laughs> exactly, exactly. Um, so, can I comfortably assume, guys, that um, you'll be uh, contributing to the Kickstarter? Yes, I'll yeah, well, be going yeah. for the uh, artwork level, um, I think. Um, not sure about getting the two board games, um, but I don't know. Depending on the price, I might have yeah. to do that as well. So, yeah. um, But in saying that, my daughter's a little bit younger, so I wouldn't have to actually play with the game with her, so I can probably... Uh, get away with that. But I reckon someone like you, Dan, would probably have to play it with Gus. Oh, no, 100%. The um, the Phantom Game of Life and Death, which is the Snakes and Ladders-based game from the Phantom Art Show, I've played that a number of times with the family, and um, uh, now it's under glass, so we have to get it off the wall and put it on the table to play. Um, but, that's, but that's fine. Um, but even the Transigram um, Phantom Game from, like, 1965, I feel like... Um, We've had that out and, and tried to play that once, and the kids have hassled me a number of times. They were probably a little bit young when we, we first got that out. To, they've hassled me a number of times to get that out and play it again. So, um, hmm. yeah, no, I'll definitely be looking to get a playable version. Um, and, yeah, I'm probably sad enough to, to also want one that stays shrink-wrapped or whatever to sit on the shelf and look pretty. Yeah, so I guess, um, like we said in that uh, quick interview, uh, we have done a video on these, which I'm sure you'll uh, include in the podcast yeah, uh, sure. article. So just a quick recap. There is a a, um, a Swedish version from the 60s, and then there's another one which was done by Elger, I think. A-L-G-A. <coughs> Bless you. <laughs> Thank you. Um, which was translated in Norway, Finland, and Sweden. And then there was the the transgram one. That's the painted cover with the phantom on the throne with devil, yep. I believe. Yep. yep. So then there's an American version of that. There is some. Uh, there, there is a, an Indian version of that, but the um, there's a lot of conjecture about that. We won't go into that one now. Um, 
So there's an in, a so-called Indian version of that. Then there is another um, uh, version, another board game from America, which is um, a little yellow small one. Um, and then there is uh, a Defenders of the Earth one and a Phantom 2041 as well from memory. And then there's a couple of other types of board games like that are, that were posters that came in comics or, mm. or you know, and stuff like that as well. So there hasn't been too many. Um, no. No, it's, it's, it's certainly not like Trivial, trivial Pursuit mm. or Monopoly where, you, you know, you've literally <laughs> just listed off almost every Phantom board game that exists. Um, yes. You know, it, I think that the video where you've reviewed a lot of them is less than 10 minutes. So it's, um, yeah. you know, it, for something like this to come out now, is really, really exciting for it to have the backing and, I guess, the, the stamp of approval from Fru to be fully licensed yes. and all the rest of it um, carries a lot of weight, as you said. And, um, I, I, you know, I think that every Phantom fan worth their salt in Australia and, um, you know, hopefully beyond are going to be contributing to this. We need to see this get made. And uh, I think you can probably expect that the full weight of the, the Chronicle Chamber persuasion is going to be coming to bear when it comes to trying to promote this and make sure that if we're going to, can you know, pitch in and, um, you know, if you want to go in, uh, Jermaine, and at, at an artwork level, I suspect I will throw my hat in that ring as well. Um, I know there's a lot of other people, you know, we're going to want to see it made so that we are able to get this product. We need yeah. to get it across the line. Yeah, yeah. And I guess the thing that we've tried to stress throughout that whole interview is that Kickstarter is legit. These guys are legit. It's not dodgy. It's not like, you know, that other figurine that uh, a few of us got burnt by. Um, you know, they've, you know, they've answered all our questions, uh, ahead of time. Uh, they're, you know, they're going to be bringing the prototype to Supernova to have it for the Phantom fans. Um, I was just so impressed that it's actually, yeah. you know, fully playable right now where they've, they've taken up yeah. the prototype to, to Glenn and Renee and, and Fru and gone, right, mm. let's, let's sit down and play the game. It's not, I was sort of expecting, based on what Glenn said, that there's probably, an idea about a Phantom game, and we're going to see if we can get that going. It's yeah. it's there now, you know. Um, Alex is, it sounds like he's got a copy at his house. He could sit down and play if you turned up for dinner this afternoon or whatever. So, yeah. um, you know, that it, to to have it that far along is very you know very promising. Isn't Bendigo near you, Steve? Uh, about an hour down, or hour hour and a half down the road there. Yeah. You might have to tell him next time he's in Bendigo to let you know, and you can go have a game. <laughs> or just next time he comes to Ballarat, that'll be even easier. Yeah. Even easier. <laughs> <laughs> All right, we've talked. One last thing. I was just thinking, um, you know, when we get a chance to play this at Supernova next year, yes. how ticked off will Joe be? It's a board <laughs> game. You know, he loves his tabletop games. He loves the Phantom. And we're playing it, and he's not. <laughs> so oh. Joe might, might make a special trip back to, uh, oh. to Sydney. <laughs> Well, I know he's, he's planning on coming back to Australia for a period of time next year to um, pick up his Phantom collection and take back with him. Um, he might have to time it around Supernova so he can sit around the tabletop with us and, and, uh, you and know play what? a board game. Let's not, let's not tell Joe, and we can just rub it in <laughs> afterwards. <laughs> uh, look, if we, if we can sit down for five or ten minutes and play that game, um, we've, we've got to get video, we've got to get audio, we've can, and then we can rub it in thoroughly. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> uh, 
very good, very good. All right, we have talked about the board game far longer than we probably thought we were going to tonight because, um, you know, Alex was so fantastic in all that he shared with us and, and really appreciate that again. Anyway, we need to move on. It's a comics and news, and we've talked a lot about news. Let's talk about some comics. Um, I was a bit surprised when we did the list for this how many comics we sort of had to catch sure. up on all of a sudden. Um, I sort of thought, oh, well, we've, we've done up to 1798. We've only just got um, episode 1800, so there's not much to talk about. But, no, there's a, a, a giant size, a Phantom's World, a trade paperback, um, all in the mix. So um, shall we start mm. with the trade paperback? We've sort of alluded to that. Actually, could we um, just... I've been contacted in the last couple of days some people asking about Kid Phantom. Now, um, I just wanted to make mention of that again. Um, As Glenn said in the last podcast, and I know not everyone listens to every podcast, uh, Kid Phantom 3 will be out in the first quarter and that there was some um, delays, unfortunate delays. So I just thought, I just want to quickly throw that in because we have been getting some questions about Kid Phantom 3. So Mm -hmm. I just thought, you know, if we can help answer some of the questions so Fru doesn't get hassled, you know, that can kind of, you know, help yeah, them. Yeah, sure, sure. Look, um, it, it's, it's around, um, I, I can tell you this, and anyone who follows Paul Mason on, on Facebook or Twitter uh, can attest to the fact that he is working 24 hours a day just about at the moment on Kid Phantom. Um, yes. he's, he's posting a few work in progress shots and that sort of thing so if, if Kid Phantom is your is your jive and you're keen to find out where that's at um, I really thoroughly you know go, go and follow Paul Mason pmason83 on Twitter uh, Dr Paul Mason on Facebook and um, you get all the updates to where and, and, and a few sneaky peeks at um, some work in progress shots as well which is really mm. cool so he's working on four or five at the moment uh, I think it's four that he's working on at the moment. Three um, has gone These to through, but trying to get it printed over the Christmas period is a little bit of a hassle. So um, just unfortunate that that's timed out the way that it has. Um, I think my under- my reading of, of <laughs> the social media tea leaves is that by the time um, four comes out, they'll be back on track. It'll be three that's a little bit late, but four will be on time, I think. So. Yep. Awesome. Mm. All right. Sorry about that. Let's get back onto the free no, trade no, paperback. Yeah, Good call. Good to good to bring that up because yeah, we probably did expect that we would have a kid phantom to talk about in the mix today as well. But uh, but unfortunately, we do not. We do have though, um, as we sort of suggested at the start, and we know that Jermaine sadly does not have a copy that he can hold and and look at and flick through and talk about as we as we go through this. And very sorry about that, Jermaine. But um, the trade paperback. <laughs> no, we're not. <laughs> <laughs> it's it's yeah, not often that we've got something that Jermaine doesn't. Rub that in. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, look, we I did post a a review of the trade paperback on YouTube. You've had a look at that, at least, Jermaine. Had a look at the video. Yes, I've had a look at that. It's um, it was very good. You actually did a good job, mate. Um, <laughs> it um, no, I, I guess I guess what we'll do is. I'll look. I'll tell about what I liked about from the reviewed point of view because obviously I haven't brought one, and yep. there's probably going to be people that uh, are listening to this that haven't brought one either. Yep. So I can look at it from why I'm going to be buying one, and then mm. you guys can talk about it what you actually liked about it. So sure. one, I'll be buying it because I'm a completist, um, <laughs> which is a very expensive thing. Um, but two. The, the you know and Glenn like he he made mention that it was his greatest achievement so mm. far. I think 
I can see where he's coming from. I think he's got other greater achievements. The fact that it's still alive and he's, you know, he's done a lot of other things and stuff as well. But um, uh, he's right in saying that this is a big step. Um, the thing I liked about it was the black made a lot of things pop. Mm. Um, the colours was rich, vibrant. You may mentioned about how they had a good spread of artists. I've got to admit, I thought that was a good idea as well, like just because it enables them to showcase a lot of different fandom artists because, you know, uh, you know a lot of comic readers, non, non-phantom comic readers, re- follow more creative teams than actual the hero or the character. So I think it was a good idea of doing that because they might fall in love with another creative team or another artist or another writer, which would then, you know, help them to go find other comics of a part of those creative teams that could help, you know, get them addicted to the Phantom as well. So I liked that aspect as well. Um, Mm. So, yeah, so there's just a few things that caught my attention um, based on the review. Now, a question, was there any fillers or any extras? Like, say, for instance, um, uh, were there any articles on the Phantom or, like, a, for those who came in late, like a history on Lee Fork or, or you know, no. anything like that? No, no, no. Um, the review was pretty thorough in terms of... It's, it's the seven stories. Um, yeah. Yeah, so the Dudley's... Um, publisher's note, I guess, or the message from the publisher right at the start, which, as I mentioned, is word for word on the um, fandomcomic.com.au through website. Um, that's the only extended piece of writing or prose in it. Other than that, it is just the, the seven stories. So, um, yeah, that, that's possibly something that, that could have been added, whether it's just a page summary. But I think, I think if you read the stories, you get that summary. Mm. And also, each story starts off with, um, you know, who's the writer, who's the artist. If it's a a, um, a newspaper story, when it was, um, you know, was it the 11th or the 12th or whatever, and, you know, what years and months and stuff that it was published in the paper, and also when it was published by Fruit. So they've got all that type of stuff that we've seen in the um, in the comic book, but it's just done up really nice in the, um, in the trade. So you guys don't think something like that was needed? No, I thought it was good. Yeah, I didn't I miss liked it, it at the time. It's, it's only now that you've brought it up that I think, oh, yeah, perhaps that could have gone in. Um, but no. Um, it is there. It, it comes out. It, it, yeah, it, you read read through the stories. And I know not everybody gets their comics and reads them. Um, I sort of made a point of sitting through and, and reading all seven stories page by page because I knew I was going to do the video review of it. And I really enjoyed that process. I really enjoyed actually reading the comic. It's a book that... Well, I say comic all the time. It's a, it's not a comic. It's a book. Um, it's a book that should be read. Yeah. Have you read Age Story yet, Steve? Uh, no, not yet. I'm only a couple of stories in. Mm. So, the childhood. How, how are you finding the childhood? Because the well, I've only that just is... up to, uh, that, well, that's an interesting point that you got to turn on sideways. I'm assuming that's to keep the original um, Sunday, yeah, you know, size and style. To, to try and keep it unedited or whatever, because people whinge about. I don't think it is. It's not. No. Then why didn't they just turn um, like they're doing a normal comic? It it does like the panels do fit better 
on the side. But in looking – now, I can only make comment on what I've seen from Dan's um, uh, video review. So I could be wrong or, or something, but from what I can see in Dan's video – the first panel is always the title one, you know, like where it's got. Yeah, that's there. Yeah, but it's not, not there on every single. No. It's not there on every single page or every second or every single um, like Sunday page. No, page forty-two, forty-three. It doesn't appear at all, for instance. Yeah, so that. the way I would have preferred it to be is. Every single page would have been one whole Sunday, and you've got mm. a, you've got an original Sunday dance. Yep. So you know how they're set out. You've got not all the time, but generally you've got the title panel, and then one or two at the top, and then mm. you've got you know three, and then three. So you've kind of yep. got it's generally three lots of three. So well, whatever yeah, whatever the panel yeah. breakdown was, it was it was laid out in a um, these dimensions, it could, you're absolutely right, just yeah. be, um, not slapped is the wrong word, but it could be placed on a page, um, a Sunday per page sort of thing. Yeah. Now, I would have, that's how I would have liked it to be. Now, I understand that there are, um, through don't do that in their, um, well, they haven't got that in their Wise Guy or the Twelve Nations stories in the free comics. In the Christmas special, yeah, which we'll, yeah. which we're about to do, but in my personal opinion, if you're going to produce something that's in an unedited format, you need to include that. Mm. Yeah, no, you, you're absolutely right. It, uh, although, was at this stage because this is the 1944 version, isn't it? Um, was it wasn't it at that stage just two lines? Um, no, I'm pretty sure it was still three. I have a feeling the really early Sundays were only two lines. Well, I might, oh, I could yeah, be wrong. an investigation. Yeah, I've, um, I'll have well, to, I'll have to okay. check that. But if you like, for instance, and I don't want to go back to Herms, but Herms have done it like that mm. from memory. So, like for mm. instance, with the uh, Sundays, they've done one page per page or one Sunday strip per page. Yeah. A good point of comparison, I suppose, uh, and I know this is a daily, not a Sunday, but the the two signs story, um, which is, I think, about the fifth one or the sixth one um, in the trade paperback, um, I much prefer the way it's been presented, and it is in the traditional portrait, traditional, that's probably the wrong word, it is in the more um, common through portrait style, and much bigger panels, and I I found it heaps more readable than The Child of the Phantom, was the smallest panels of any small, story. wasn't it? Yeah. yeah. And, and as I pointed out in the video, especially um, the the panels that are right near the spine, um, trying to open those up to read the narration um, dialogue or whatever that appears particularly at the bottom of panels that comes into the spine um, is a bit difficult. So. Yeah. But, yeah, so that, that was one thing that... That was probably the only... And like I said, I haven't got the comic yet. Yeah. I haven't looked at it. I've only looked at it from your review. Um, but the one thing that I know, well, the one probably criticism I noticed was that the Sunday is not, you know, has been edited. Yeah. And look, if that's the, um, if that's the only criticism, and, and I would agree with you, that's pretty much the only thing that I would probably change about this, um, then, you know, you're picking at straws, um, really. Yeah. Um, yeah. because it, it's, Did, yeah. Hmm. 
It's it's not the biggest issue. No, no. <laughs> um, did the reading on the landscape, was that an issue for you? Oh, as I said, only trying to open up the spine to read on the inside. Other than that, no, no, it wasn't. Mm. So. Steve, and I know you haven't read the whole comic, but was it an issue for you? I haven't read the story yet. Oh, okay. Have you looked at it? Oh, I looked at it, yeah. Okay. <laughs> you know, you, know, you got the um the, the book open like you're um having a look at a cinephile, but um apart from that. <laughs> what did you think of the? And I, I commented this in the review as well. But what did you think of the inclusion of um, Walker's table? It, it, it certainly wasn't one that I thought would come into this into this book. Well, I just read that. Um, well, just before we came on air, I was reading it and um. I couldn't re- like I'm sure I've read it before somewhere, but um, mm. it was it was nice reading because I couldn't remember having read it before. Mm-hmm. So it's good, um, you know, finding a little bit of history or one type of history of Walker's Table. I enjoyed mm. it. Oh no, don't get me wrong, I enjoyed the story. Um, I just I guess I know we've just had um, the origin of Diana and that sort of thing in the Wedding of the Phantom. Um, we've got the origin of hero. We've got the origin of devil. Uh, maybe, a, and I guess the birth of the twins was in the other. It was in the wedding special as well. Um, maybe a, a story featuring Garan or the story of. I'm trying to think what else there might be, but uh, it just seemed like an odd one. When the the rest of the stories, it just sort of jumped out at me. The rest of the stories are the origin of the Phantom, uh, the first one, the the childhood of the current Phantom, where the skull ring came from, the story of hero, where the good mark. The first story regarding the good mark, and then where did Devil come from? I don't know. Maybe maybe the chain might have um, might have been a better story to go in here um, around the skull throne. Um, I don't know. It just yeah, it, it, it's not wrong, um, and I'm not I'm not saying it, it shouldn't be in there or anything like that. I just I was surprised by it. I think the yeah the things I like about it is one, it was a Barry story, so again it showcases Barry. It's got some mm-hmm. great art. And two, it appeals to the American audience. Yeah. And yeah, I think, was it you that made the, that note? Yeah, I did uh, wonder if maybe someone... it was, yeah, I did wonder if maybe that was to do with trying to appeal to an American market. Mm. And, you know, it, it covers American history. It's got, you know, mm. very Americanized. Um, so, you know, and I'm not sure if, you know, how much it will appeal or whether it will appeal, but it could. You know, it could appeal, hmm. especially seeing it is going into bookstores, hopefully around the world. Well, that's the thing. I haven't looked yet. It, 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 you assume that this will be the sort of thing that's available on Amazon and um, Book Depository and that sort of thing? Yeah, that's a good point. I haven't looked at that either. I, I personally think what will happen is this probably won't make a big splash in the international book world, but then when Free gets a couple... They'll probably, you know, like, they'll get out there and then this will find its way on there as well. Like, you know, it, it almost, they almost need like a couple behind them before they get, what I, what I, the way I see it, and I could be completely wrong, but I kind of see it, them needing a couple before they make a splash and then, mm. you know, this may make its way throughout it. But it's a good, it's a good question whether it is on Amazon and or, um, Book depository. Mm. All right. Um, 
So, Steve, um, if anyone who wants to know what I think of the of the trade paperback, can go and have a good look at the video because I was pretty, um, um, you know, talked about it quite a lot there. Um, have you got any any anything else you want to say about the about the book? Um, no, other than well, it's pretty much all been all been covered. Um, uh, what's his name? Ivan's done a, a very good job with the colours. Um, that's been very bold and, and vibrant. Um, and no issues that I wouldn't have with any other um, comic that's been printed, you know, you know, a reprint from however many years ago um, being coloured today. Mm. Um, yeah, uh, there was, yeah, if, if anything, um, some of that, I don't know what we call it, that's, I think someone's called it bruising before or, or splotching where the, um, that used to be very prevalent in the through covers, but which has now been, um, which is now gone. But I, I saw you know, a couple instances of that, which you know I'm really just looking for things if I'm yeah. going to be um, <laughs> doing that. But um, it's hard to be a critic when there's not much to criticise. <laughs> yeah. So um, yeah, well, and what I've like, like I've only read the first couple of stories and. Yes, said that really well. This, I think it's the story you were talking about before with the really big panels. I've just um, scripted that, and yeah, that's going to be far easier to read than Childhood of the yeah. Phantom, just while looking you, at that. While you're having a look yeah. at that, is, if you find a page in there, like uh, 156, 157 is a really good one, um, where the jungle drums are beating, for some reason, I don't know if this is Ivan's decision or Glenn's decision or, or, or where that's been done, but for some reason the actual text or the font of the Jungle Drums calling has been updated, and it's a, quite a modern font. Um, okay. It seems, and you can see it when you have a look at the two comics side by side in particular, but it stood out to me, and I wondered about it as I read it, because, um, I don't know, have it's it's just interesting that the choice has been made to update that particular font. Mm. Just that, okay, now, I, haven't, I haven't seen the original, or I haven't got better to compare, <laughs> to compare with right now, so I'll take your word, word for it. <laughs> yeah, anyway, um, I really liked the, the Jamie Johnson end papers as well, using that, um, again, um, that, that profile that he's drawn and having the old old jungle sayings at the end. It's just a really classy-looking production. It is. It's worth the money. Mm. Yep. Um, I am giving one to my son for Christmas, um, so that you know this is a really. I think it is a really good um, starting point for people who want to learn about the the character. And, and Gus is only eight. He's um, read a few fandom comics and that sort of thing. But this will be a really good. Um, one for him to have to go back over the origin of all of the things that are that are in there, and some of the stories he'll be able to read easily Egmont now. Stories? Sorry, even though it's got Egmont stories in it. Yeah, look, if I was as I was, <laughs> some of the stories he'll find really easy to read. Others, like The Ring, for instance, he won't be able to comprehend much at the moment. Um, yeah. You know, but but he'll be able to go back and read it. I, I'm not a massive fan of that origin of the ring and the whole it came from Nero and all that sort of stuff you know uh, it fits within the Lee Fork universe because Lee Fork never explained where the skull ring came from properly um, so I guess it's you know that is phantom law for for lack of a better law to have um, 
it's not something I'm a massive fan of. I I'm, I'm not a massive fan of any of the supernatural stuff. Um, and that was the biggest problem yeah. with the movie, for instance, is that the ring suddenly was magic. And, you know, that's that's not the fandom that I that I fell in love with. But, um, yeah, so he'll, it, yeah. He, he won't understand that story for a few more years, at least. Mm. But the rest of it, you know, I think it's I think it's good. Sounds good. Hmm. I haven't found right. a book depository yet. Okay. <laughs> yeah, I looked on. Them. I looked on Amazon. Oh, probably about a week or two ago, and it wasn't on there. Um, when I brought the Kevin Patrick thing. Oh uh, yeah. Um, the Kevin Patrick uh, book. Um, so yeah, it wasn't wasn't on there. So I would assume it's probably not won't be on there. Well, we'll have to uh, we'll have to hit Glenn and Renee up to let them know that there's a market that they need to get involved in. Mm. All right. Well, let's move on from the trade paperback then, and and uh, you know I think it gets five good marks from from us. Um, and I'm going to preempt you there, Jim. I'm, I'm going to say that you're going to give it five good marks. So. <laughs> oh, I probably will. What's the What's the cover um the cover quality like? Because it's not hardback, which there was a little yeah. bit of confusion about. Is it like is it like a stiff, stiff paper like the uh, the replica series or uh, stiffer than that? I would say, wouldn't you, Stephen? Okay. Yeah, absolutely. Yeah, like it's 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 it's, it's it's yeah. I'm no expert. I'm not sure what the GSM would be, um, but yeah, it, it's quite hardy. Um, yeah, I think it'll stand up. I, it'll be interesting to see how it goes in the hands of an eight-year-old. And uh, constant re-readings. Mm-hmm. He was out. I'm um, I'm currently redoing my deck a bit, refinishing the deck, and so I'm out there hammering and nailing and, and that sort of thing. He's laying next to me reading a um, a Spidey trade paperback that I got him because he loves Spider-Man as well. Um, so it'll be interesting to see how it stands up to, you know, the use of an eight-year-old who's prepared to lug it all around the yard and read it anywhere and thumb through it over and over and read it up a tree and all the rest of it. So. Um, but in terms of someone like us yeah. who's going to read it a couple of times and put it on a shelf and, and admire the spine, <laughs> it'll, it'll stand up quite well. That's <laughs> yeah, good. All right. Okay. So um, Giant Size is the next one that I've got on the list. Are we happy to go to that? Yeah. Yeah, this kind of snip, snip, stuck through. I forgot about this one. I actually thought yeah. you did it did in the last one, so I didn't bring it in my pile for the... Um... Review, but yeah, I don't, I don't have it in my pile either. <laughs> All professionals. Um, but here. I loved, I loved this giant size. The best thing about the giant size was the Shane Foley stories. Yeah, I would agree with that. I would agree um, with that. I this, let's just go straight to those because, in my opinion, it made the whole comic. Um, I love and I've. Um, uh, and for those who are querying, we will be getting Shane Foley on the podcast um, in the new year. Um, but I loved how he managed to intertwine the two characters. There was the little hints about like when they walked past each other and and stuff like that. And then he managed to intertwine what was it about three or four classic Lee Fork stories mm-hmm. together with the characters like from the Lady Luck, from the Diamond Hunters managed to intertwine it, and it was a fun read. Mm. I really enjoyed it. Mm. Yeah, no, I 100% agree. I was actually... uh, My first thoughts on this giant size was that I was disappointed because the Phantom story only went for the first eight pages, 
And I thought, oh, mm. you know, is this what's happening now? It's going to slip into mm. being um, the shadow and, and crimson comment and all these things that I've never really heard of. Not that I, you know, I quite liked the shadow, as as I've said, it was my favourite story in, in in Giant Size One. But then this is a genuine phantom story. It's not a well, the first it, it's written in two parts, and the first part is is just a phantom story. The second part is the yeah. Sir Falcon, um, which answers the questions that are raised in in part one. Um, I really, really enjoyed it. Yeah, I um, I, I must admit, I was the same. Like when I saw the Charleston story at the front, because I didn't know that these ones were at the back. No, um, no. And um, so I read it, and I thought, oh, we've only got this one Charlton story. And I like some of the Charlton stories, but a lot of them were very average. Like this one was probably one of the better Charlton short stories. Okay. Um, which isn't saying much. Um, and you know some of the art's quite nice and stuff like that. But yeah, I was a little bit disappointed as well. I was looking forward to a like a, a Lee Fork story, and we got this, and then we got you know I, I can't even remember what was after it. I didn't mind the Shadow story. I actually enjoyed that Shadow story. Um, mm. um, I can't. What? Oh, the Crimson Comet was. Yeah, but I like the fact how they included it because it's such an iconic. Mm-hmm. It's created from the iconic Australian, you know, uh, was it Chuck Dixon, I think it was? Um, so, you know, I like the fact how they did that. And, yeah, I was getting a little bit disappointed, but then when we got to this story, it mm. was great. I wish they put that up the front. Oh, yeah, it, yes, but it was also a bit of a nugget to find um, as well. Yeah, so, true. Yeah, so... It, True. You know, read through the Phantom Ranger, which you know, you know, it, it's clearly a 1950s, 60s story. Um, turn over, and suddenly you've got this stunning new, the Phantom. Mm. Um, mm. You know, and I, I'm sure that Shane Foley's artwork here is not going to be for everybody. Um, there are going to be people who go, oh, well, this isn't, this isn't um, Felmang or Cy Barry or, or whatever their particular favourite is. Um, but it's it's really good quality art. It's um, uh, you know a good balance of simple complexity. I think um, in in yeah. that there's yeah uh, that, that now did you range. enjoy this story because he didn't enjoy his first one and he has heard your comments about that on the podcast as well. Hey. So yeah, <laughs> we've got to stop letting people listen to the podcast. I say things that people <laughs> my my wife listens and she knows where I was storing my. Um, supernova money and now the Shane Foley's listening and he knows I didn't like his first Falcon but I really Shane if you're there I really liked this um, it, it and I guess because there's such a, a, a good Phantom crossover um, you know got me into it but uh, no I, I really enjoyed the story hmm. what about you Steve I'm just speechless Jim that you you really wanted to see a Lee Falk story in the um <laughs> And the giant size, I'm still getting over that. Um, uh, no, I've been on the podcast plenty of times. I like Lee Fox stuff. I just <laughs> like them to be produced in top quality. Yeah. Um, but, I've you only know, read... throw me under the bus when you get a chance, mate. Every chance I get. Um, I've only read the Phantom and the Crimson Comet stories, and um, I like the, the Crimson Comet story. Like, I thought the the start, how, how he became, the, you know, with the... Things and stuff. Oh yeah, that's a bit rich. And thought, oh yeah, get on, get on your dad. Well done on that one. 
But um, father of the year material. Yeah, that's, yeah, that's incredible. Um, but I liked the story. I thought um, I did enjoy that. And um, and now you guys keep going on about how good um, you know, the Shadow and, and Sir Falcon are. So I've, I've I was doing a little bit of organisation today, and I've got all the giant sizes out, so I can go back and, and read the ones that yeah. I that I haven't read. And I'll even reread the Catman one that I put away after a couple of pages because I thought that was. But I'll yeah. give it another now. Look, and I think, and I think that's that's good advice for anyone who because none of us were particularly smitten with Giant Size Number One. Um, it's fair to say, like it, we thought it was an interesting thing, um, but none of us were suddenly in love with it. This this n- number three, I think, is the pick of the Giant Sizes so far. Yes. Yes. I think, but I think what needs to be remembered is that this isn't created and released just for Phantom fans. Mm. No, that's it's, right. Yeah, and I think that's one of the things that we need to remember is that it's like what Glenn said in the podcast in uh, episode eighty-four or eighty-five. Sorry, is that is that the fa- the different titles of the fandom that they're releasing appeal to different aspects or different. Mm readers and this appeals to the people from the 50s and the 60s who grew up on these stories uh you know comic historians australian comic historians it's going to appeal to them and then if there's a phantom story thrown in it it may re you know it it could be a um a hook to get them back into the phantom and stuff Mm -hmm. like that so i think i think that needs to be remembered um, and look, not and, and all it, of the stories are going to be fun or good either. No, and and it may even be doing its job in terms of I now am interested to see the next Sir Falcon story far more than I yeah. would have been before I read this. So, you know, it'll drag people back the other way as well. And, um, you know, we I guess we try to... You you bring out the completest in us germ where we've got to go through and read every single Phantom thing that's produced anywhere around the world, and uh, try and review that and talk about that for the for for people to listen to, um, so they can decide whether they want to go and spend their their ten dollars on on a giant size, for instance. And I'd encourage them to do that for this one because um, if you're a Phantom yeah. fan, you'll you'll enjoy certainly the start and then the end. Don't be too disheartened by the fact that it's only a short Phantom story at the start. Yeah, that's uh, very good. Yeah. Also, I've been enjoying um, Glenn uh, Lumsden's art, mm. but I'm over the bike shorts. Oh, yeah? <laughs> I am absolutely over the bike shorts. It was all right once or twice. Now, get Not rid a of third them. time? <laughs> Not a third time. Was, yep. I think in that... Tommy, go back to that? the alteration lady and uh, get them chopped off. Get them, get them fixed up, please, because... Uh, <laughs> So everything yeah, else about could, that front cover is awesome. Those bike shorts, I can't, um, I've had enough. So you're fine Even with the, the grey, but not the bike shorts. Well, I'm fine with the grey because um, I was going through some back issues. I was bored in bagging the other day, and um, he looked pretty grey on those covers. So there's a <laughs> there's a uh, not prerequisite. Was it a pre? Um, yeah, another word. You're been done before. A precedent. <laughs> but then again, that could just be the purple fading. So. Yeah. And, that's, and that's how I'm looking at that. Cause uh, John, John, John Cookson will be up here for not using acid-free covers. <laughs> well, I'm, well, I'm putting them into the acid-free covers. <laughs> these, are ones, these are back issues I've been getting. Um, so I can look at I can look at the grey and just think, you know, it's old-timey, the, the, the purple's faded, but not the bike shorts. 
<laughs> All right, well, Glenn, if you're listening, uh, Glenn Lumsden, if you're listening, Stephen East is the man who doesn't like what you were doing. <laughs> but uh, knowing knowing that he's a South Australian, he's probably just going to think, oh, he's just a Victorian, so who cares? <laughs> uh, at this stage, there are buses going left and right, and people are getting thrown under them <laughs> every which way. So <laughs> let's move on and see <laughs> see what's coming. <laughs> As soon as I see at the top, oh, a short podcast before Christmas. That's famous last words. We're at two hours already. Is it really? Of <laughs> well, recording. This hasn't been edited or whatever, but at the moment, oh, the thing's counting on two hours, 44 minutes. Two hours and it's four minutes. Gonna, yeah. It's not going to be short because you're talking about the short. <laughs> <laughs> All right, let's try and hurry up. People have got Christmas shopping to do or... Um, or maybe they're now listening to this on Christmas Day as they're sleeping off their, their massive lunch um, and, and using us the, to... They're listening to, to us while they're watching the Boxing Day test. Yeah. <laughs> because you wouldn't, be, you wouldn't be listening to it on the TV because the commentators on the TV are useless. <laughs> I've only listened to it to ABC. I haven't actually seen much on the telly. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm there yeah. too. Anyway, we... we, we we're getting distracted, and we've just said how it's going very, very long. Let's move on to Phantom's <laughs> World. Uh, we'll stick with the specials, and then we'll come to the regular issues. Um, so Phantom's World 3 is uh, was released... Well, I got it as a subscriber this week. Jermaine, we know that you haven't got this one yet. Um, Stephen, you got yours in your local comic shop earlier yep. this week? Uh, yep. When did I get that? Yeah, sometime. It might have been last weekend. I can't remember. Yep. It was last so weekend. Is, yeah. Yeah. So Jermaine, this is... again, again, you showed off to me. <laughs> yeah. Yep. Any chance I get? He's filed away the exact moment that someone else had something that he didn't have. <laughs> so we've got um, uh, this is a Germano Ferry special, um, and the cover is the first thing, um, and, and I guess I can talk. It was interesting getting the the Christmas special uh, issue eighteen hundred in the same envelope as this Phantom's World, um, it was an interesting comparison because the Massimo Gambieri cover for the Christmas special, which I love and I'm going to talk about extensively soon, I must say I just went, yep, that's that comic, and put it to one side and then spent a lot of time looking at the Phantom's World cover. And perhaps that's because I haven't seen the Phantom's World cover, whereas the mm. Christmas special has been all over Facebook for probably six months. Um but this is a really stunning cover. I really love it. What do you, mm. Stephen? What did you think? Oh, I'm in the same boat. As soon as I saw it, I thought that is that's fantastic. Mm. And the attention the to colours, detail, like mm. the colours are great. But you know, it looks like he's had a he's had a big day. He's got a bit of a five o'clock shadow there, but it's not overly done. You know, he's got a bit mm. of a blue or grey mm. around his chin and you know the upper lip there. It is it is a very very good colour cover. And the colours, totally like you're saying, Jim, like it, it, you can see that it's in a, a catacombs or something like that. Um, you know, statues around. It, it's night. Um, you know, we, we've praised Thomas Mason for his colouring work on um, Jamie Johnson's and Jeremy McPherson's artwork recently. But um, this, I, I gather, it looks like it's a painted cover that's been done um, all by a fairy, and this is it's just beautiful. It's magnificent. Mm. It's a hell of a lot better than the back cover. The back cover's rubbish. Well, yeah. not rubbish, but it's nowhere, nowhere near yeah, yeah. the The only comment yeah. is that um, the good mark is, for whatever reason, not on the left hand. So I'm not. I'm wondering what happened there. Would you say <laughs> it's um, the best cover out of out of them so far? Of the Phantom's Worlds. Yeah. Yes. 
Mm. I reckon this would be a, like a new created one as well. So I haven't yeah, well, seen I think this so. cover it's, before. It's certainly um, not. It's not a scene from, but it's certainly derived from one of the stories that's inside. So I guess we should mention the two of those. Um, we've got the Princess of Granite Part Two. Um, which is by Ferry, and we saw part one in Phantom's World 2, and that's followed up by what's basically a two-part story. Um, it's quite a long story called The Stone Spirits um, by Ferry, and I guess he's the author and artist. Um, and, yeah, so the cover is derived from The Stone Spirits story. Yeah, it's interesting that The Stone Spirits is two parts, and they've released the two parts in the one issue. Has... Now, as two people that have actually got the comic, has that worked out better? Yep. 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 So the Stone Spirits goes from page 35 through to the end. So it's basically, you know, I I don't, I can't remember now if they have actually had the end of part one, start of part two, or whether it's just run through as one long story. But yes, there's there's a part that says says something about part two. Oh, oh, I didn't realise it was a two-parter. Yeah. So it was. When it was published in France, it was over two comics. Uh, Italy, it was over one comic. Sweden, over one comic. In Turkey, it was also produced in two comics as well. Mm. Look, I think it works much better as a one comic, and that is because of the thing that I don't like about it, is that as a narrative, and I guess this is, like Joe and I would differ here, for instance, because he's an art very much art focused and I'm probably more narratives focused um, from a narrative point of view I it, it's it's harder to follow it's it's disappointing in the sense that there's not a clear narrative arc um, characters come in they come out there's bizarre new characters come in halfway through the story um, it doesn't feel wrapped up there's quite a lot of plot holes um, there's a lot of loose ends um, and I think that if that was split across two comics, it would be even more confusing. Um, the, the second story would almost feel in some ways detached and, and different from the first story. So the only way it works as a complete narrative is the fact that you've sat there and read the whole thing. Okay, so did you... Because we've got, in Family World 2, you've got the Princess of Granite Part 1 and our Part 2 in this one and the Stones and the Stone Spirits. Did you enjoy the Stone Spirits, and this is also a question for Stephen, did you enjoy it more because you were able to read it all as one than, like, you know, using those two stories as a comparison? Mm. Where in the first, in the second one, in the second Phantom's World, they've split the two stories. Mm. Where in this one they've got the same story in the same one. Does does that kind of question make sense? Yeah. What did, what did you think, Steve? Well, well, first off, I want to talk about your point there about things being a bit confusing and loose ends. Um, the the woman um, who appears in the story, particularly in the in the second half or in the second part, um, she. I think she she needed to be a little bit more punished than what she was. She got off oh, scot free, but wasn't she the bad guy? Like, well, that's why I went back over the pages just to make sure. And she knew what was happening. Yeah. But then, but when you know she's there as her, it seems like she you know it's all oblivious to her. But when she's yeah. the bad guy, oh, hang on, she was the bad guy. She yeah. knows what's happening. She's got off scot free. I don't yeah. like that. No. Um, She's good-looking and rich and European and a good sculptor, so 
therefore I let you go. Yeah, no, yeah. that that was one of my biggest problems with the story. So yeah, that that irked me, and um, and the bad guy just, from part one just disappeared and was never heard from again. Yeah, and that's what I thought. Um, yeah, who was under the cloak? And but no, it was her. Um, yeah. yeah, and that would have been more confusing over two issues. Um, in regards to having that one all in two, I mean having that all in one and having the other one over two issues, um, I'm probably the wrong person asking. As once I saw that um, Princess of Granite was part two and realised I hadn't read part one, I went back and read part one and and part two mm. straight away. So I read it as if it was in one in one comic. No, I did. I didn't go back and read part one again, um, and maybe I should have because part two, part two, like this whole story, of Princess of Granite. There's, there's kind of, it's, it's, it can be quite confusing in the sense of there's a time shift and there's people under the influence of a memory. Forget, you know, uh, not the Phantom in part one and Diana in part one, continuing Diana in part two. So she's forgotten her memory. She's forgotten everything she knows and is playing the part of another character and I'm trying to keep track of which character is which and I, I, I think that's Diana, but no, she's currently um, Amaruda or, or whatever name she goes by in this one. Um, then there's this um, Matilda or Maldita character. Maldita, Maldita, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> you want to say um, Matilda every time you see the name. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, and so trying to keep track of who's who there, um, yeah, like, I don't know. I, I mentioned in a in a messenger comment to you guys today that I'm just finding the Italian stories, and you know, it's a, perhaps it's a different cultural thing. Maybe it's for the fact that they're they're older stories, and they're um, they've got a different heritage behind them in Europe or Italy or whatever. I'm just I'm not following the narratives as well as I'd like to, and and they're not fitting what I guess I understand as a, a functional narrative um, construct, and and so. Um, I don't enjoy them on that level as much. That said, I really like a lot of the artwork, um, and there, there are certain panels in this that, particularly in the second story, Stone Spirits, where I just think that's that's really classic, beautiful phantom artwork. So if I try and, I guess, pull a switcheroo on myself and just focus on the art and not worry about the story, then I quite like it. Mm. Yeah, I think the art's quite good. I think that's the reason why they haven't been produced in English before, because a lot of these stories, not like not a lot, some of these stories have been produced by Sweden before, so they've got you know copies of it that they could have given Jim and, and, and stuff. But you know, Jim has rejected stories before because the story's not good or the art's not good. So I reckon that's the reason why we haven't seen these type of stories before. Um, I think majority of people will enjoy it because they like the art of filming and fairy and even Tadaro, who's got a very mm. similar style as well is, you know, it's, it's that they like that Italian art. Um, I also think it's good from a completist point of view is that, you know, you, you get to see stuff that, you know, we've never seen before unless you've actually got these comics from another, another country. Mm. So, yeah, I think you're right that the stories are not going to be award winners. They're not the best. You know, they whether they're a, a, a mixture of all of those, whether they're, like, they're appropriate of their time and, you know, maybe they didn't pay the, the writer enough or, or whatever. <laughs> but, um, yeah, I, I'm, 
with all of that said, I am enjoying seeing these stories. Mm. Mm. And uh, I, I know Glenn's enjoying finding them and creating them and publishing them. Mm. Um, so, yeah, I, it's, yeah, I think it's, it's probably, it's probably what I'm, I prefer this one than the giant size in general. I, I'm preferring the fans world. Yeah, that's probably fair. Um, although of these two issues, giant the giant size three and Phantom's World three, giant size three wins for me. Yeah. Hmm. All right. Um, Steve, do you want to add to that? No, I've got nothing further. Good. <laughs> Good, because it's nearly midnight there. We need to move on. <laughs> yep. I've already right. had a had a. Uh, probably didn't hear her. She came in and. Had a word. <laughs> you, you, you're not being too loud and keeping the kids up, are you? Oh, I'm in the car, but I didn't hear um, the young one crying out. <laughs> Mate, that's why kids have got two parents, if they're lucky. <laughs> yeah. I got a message from my wife saying, Abby saying, Daddy's talking very loud. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so people are going to complain about Jermaine going quiet about halfway through. That's because he likes his family and wants to keep living with them. <laughs> that's it alright um, so issue let's get into the regular issues then um, through number 1799 the Dead River um, and also Phantom by Gaslight number 4 let's focus on the Dead River oh, to begin with and, no I just I remembered there was a the ad in Phantom's World 3 is good go back and look at that um, because that harkens to something that Glenn mentioned as well in the interview anyway let's move on um, what's the, the Dead advert? River what did you say what's the advert Oh, a little bit of clickbait there. Um, now, at the at the end of the message from the publisher um, in Phantom's World Three uh-huh. is is um, it's coming coming next Phantom's World Special Number Four. It's new stories, but the the little thumbnail, I guess, of the cover um, announces it as being an artist showcase issue. Like we were talking about before in the trade paperback. Yeah. Yeah, yeah, so it's interesting that he's doing that for Phantom's World and not the trade paperback. So that's it's a it's an artist showcase issue featuring Angelo Todaro. No, oh yes, I remember him talking about that. Yeah, mm. yeah. but talking I, about I, end, I think, ending of the um, message of the pub publisher with seventeen ninety nine. What's at the ending of this <laughs> at the end of uh, this message from the publisher, Dan? In seventeen ninety nine. Yeah. Yes, we we talked about this with Glenn, and here's the proof. Um, Dudley is starting to uh, to finish off his message from the publishers with happy phantoming. Um, Wonder where he got that from. Yeah. <laughs> he, um, apparently, uh, Glenn talks about it. Apparently, Dudley listened to it and started just laughing. Almost fell off his chair or something like that. So, um, <laughs> if when you listen to the the, fan, the Glenn Ford uh, interview. Stephen, you will get a good yeah. kick out of it because we touched upon it for a good five minutes. Yeah, that no, was good. <laughs> All right. And was it um, you that started that? I'm not 100% sure. I thought it might have been Dan, but I'll take credit for it. Dan takes enough credit as it Look, is. Look, so, if, if yeah, that's the case, that's that appropriate one. because I've taken credit for you giving Jamie Johnson cover of the year and then... Jamie drew me a, a special little picture, so um, maybe we'll get Dudley and, to draw you a little picture. <laughs> and you also claim credit for the Christmas special cover as well. Which, no, I'm going to get know. to that when we talk about it, but the credit is there. It's in black and white, mate. We'll. Um, well, no, yeah, it doesn't just... have your name on it. 
we'll talk about that when we get to it. We're at, that's 1800. <laughs> we're on 1799. Let's stay focused. We've got a run sheet. Um, we're talking about the Dead River. So the story of the Dead River. Now, this is really cool in that it is the first, finally, I guess, in Australia, we're getting the first story that was drawn by someone who went on, I guess, to become quite a legendary um, fandom artist, a mm. Scandinavian fandom artist, um, Jamie Valve. Um, this is his first story, and I'm going to see if I can find when it was first published, 1972. Um, have you enjoyed also, reading this story? Yeah, also the first time I saw Rodia. Oh, is um, that right? Okay. Yeah, yeah, that's what I thought you were going to go with, to tell you the truth. <laughs> Um, if on the first page, if there's a little uh, a little bit of paper with a little um, paper clip in there, it talks about how it's been the first yes. radio. Yes. Um, I think he also mentions it in his um, message from the publisher as well. Yes, he did too. In the um, in the first um, four yeah. or five lines. So <laughs> no, it's about halfway. So through. um, yeah, no, I, I really I enjoyed this story. It's a it's it's a fun story. It's well, it's not really doesn't really. <laughs> Have fun elements. I was going to say. But, um, <laughs> What's your definition of fun exactly? <laughs> Environmental destruction, <laughs> racism, terrorism. Um, <laughs> it, but, um, it, it, but I like how it um, works with the phantom um, character. I suppose that that is really well established in the sense of yeah. um, someone who is a a warrior for the jungle. And we'll go into bat yes. for the jungle people, and um, yes. that that character really comes to the fore in this story. Mm. Now, I'm assuming you've all got the comic in front of you. Now, page nineteen, the third panel. Mm. I'll let everyone get there. Yep. So that picture has been used a lot by uh, Simic and Egmont in a lot of like form of um, advertising. Um, and, you know, stuff like that, that mm. panel of the Phantom with the shadow on that. So the, the, um, the left half of that panel, you mean? The, yeah, of the Phantom. Yeah. yeah. Oh, so look, it was, a bit, of a, it was yeah. a bit of a kick seeing that. The, mo- the moment I saw that, I thought, oh, I've seen that before. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> now, one uh, of the uh, things... Before we go um, on, on that same page there, um, this is... The one issue that I had with the um, with the whole story um, is the Phantom letting these guys keeping their ammo and their guns and all that type of stuff. Um, they might be on the fight for a right, but um, it, it just irked me. Mm. Interesting, because yeah, the Phantom's um, always public, always supported the um, the RPA or the. In, I think in later editions, it's the RLA, the Rodia's Liberation Army. Mm-hmm. So, um, so is that what these yes. guys are, I'm guessing? Yeah. So it's, it's interesting that, um, yeah, it's interesting that you don't tend to, ha- that you tend to have a bit of an issue with that. Well, I just thought he'd be, you know, trying to have a peaceful conclusion. So, mm. you know, disarm all sides and, but, um, yeah. Or is the more it. of a realist? I can see where you're coming from. Yeah. True, because in folk stories, it's always you know no guns. Let's talk it over. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. Now, another. Sorry, another thing that I was just going to mention is we see Colonel Wurubu with moustache and no goatee. 
well. You do? He's, um, okay. <laughs> yep. <laughs> Just trying something Dud- different? Well, it Dudley must have been my mention of it. No, Dudley makes mention of it, but what's actually interesting is that um, when Cybari first drew Colonel uh, Werribee, he didn't have the goatee either. He actually started off with the moustache. Okay. So I, I can't remember the exact dates and all that. So maybe the reason we see Werribee with the moustache is because Jamie was copying what, we, what he saw in the newspapers. Hmm. And then afterwards we see with the, uh, with the traditional goatee. Hmm. Interesting. All right. Um, I'm probably a little bit more excited, though, to talk about um, the Phantom by Gaslight part yeah. here that we've got at the end, at the part yep. four. Um, I'm happy this, to I move think, on. S- sorry? I'm happy to move on. Cool. Um, this, I think, goes back to the very first page of episode one, mm. um, where the Phantom's handing over the rings, and, and we see a little bit more now. Oh, that's that's uh, yeah. The expose happens. Um, this was a really transformative issue, uh, or episode, I suppose, um, in this story. Um, what are we thinking about where Phantom by Gaslight is going? Um, I tend to agree. It was great to see the threads kind of join, because... For those who remember, and I'm sure I'm never going to live this down, I had a little bit of concern with the first page in the first issue, but yes, this explains it. Um, oh, the artwork's amazing, by the way. Um, it's, yeah, no, I, I, I thought it was great. It, it's interesting that the fandom opened up the, what would you call it, the secret of it being passed from generation to generation to this family. Yeah. And, and I guess with what happened on page 29 where, where there was the argument and then the split, it almost shows why the Phantom can't do something like that because you op- mm. you know, you're opening yourself up for potential issues, mm. i.e., you know, their kids are now having to deal with this guy who... Um, who's trying to lay claim to be the Phantom and, in my opinion, is probably the reason behind where the rings have been stolen. Mm. Yeah, that's interesting. I hadn't sort of thought... I, I'd, I'd, I'd wondered a bit about this family suddenly coming in and, oh, yes, we'll train we'll train your son as if he's a third Phantom. Um, hmm. and, and where that's Do you going, think it was... Do you think he was the third Phantom, or whether he was more of just like a um, a backup plan, or, or whether they're just good mates and um, you know yeah. the kids are hanging out together and this is what my two are doing, so you may as well join in? Because um, mm. he says yeah. we've decided there's a sense in having contingencies for our tradition necessary in a world where disease and war thin populations. Having twins made me think training just one son to take my place was unwise. And because uh, Adema's parents are also from the family line of that prince, mm. you know, um, in a crisis one day it might be of crucial help. Mm. You three can together ensure our good work never ends. Mm. Mm. Well, I don't know. Is what what um, problem problem did the um, did they have with the uh, training regiment or the training program? It, it does seem it, it, it's it's not the greatest premise for suddenly abandoning this whole thing. Oh, my kid's getting 
you're working my son too hard. That's it. We're all going to stop. We're going to walk away. And yeah. Mm. It was the. It was the. From from the art, it looks like it was the wife. Um, well, we know. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Well, the, the father is leading him away. Don't just blame oh, well, them. But he's looking back. He's looking back with regret. <laughs> yeah, that's the way I read it as well. Is that um, that you know maybe she wears the pants. Um, but well, neither no. of them do. Looking at the at the, at the <laughs> costumes. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to let that one slide through, but yes, to pick up. But, um, yeah, but 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 if we follow that through now to where that leads us, like that's the backstory, and suddenly now we genuinely do have three phantoms uh, traipsing around mm. in Victorian London. London. Yeah. It's an interesting one because we spoke about um, at the end of Phantom by Gaslight 3 that it looked like it probably was a, a coloured phantom or a, a black phantom, and that yes. has proven yes. to be the case. Um, yes. Uh, you know, and I don't... It, it, Certainly, I don't think any of us have any sort of a problem with that, but the the question mark that I have is three phantoms. Like, um, mm. 20 of the generations of phantom were only two, uh, one of them. We knew that um, the 16th, Kit and Julie sort of took turns and, and all the rest of it, but to suddenly throw a third in the mix, I think, is um, going to be confronting for some people. Yeah. Um, although... I, I, I don't mind the idea of of it. Um, uh, it. It's just going to be interesting whether he's going to turn as just like a bit character or whether he's going to play a major crucial role and maybe even join the people on the back page. Mm. Um, well, which side? I think he, I think he's still on the side of good. He just doesn't want to work with the other guys. Mm, but, you know, I wonder, I, I, I tend to agree with that, but I wonder if, um, if the, the bitterness, I think it's probably, that's probably the better word, bitterness rather than hatred of mm. the twins. We all, you know, we've all watched movies, you know, read comics and, and, and seen enough stories and stuff like that where the bitterness can force people into doing stupid stuff. Mm. So, um, mm. We've also thing... seen that in most movies mm. and comics and all the rest of it, the good guys tend to come together on the side of yes. right. Um, so I, yes. I have faith that um, they'll need the three of them to combat the, I guess, foursome um, mm. of, of evil that has um, come together on the last page. And, and once again, we get another yeah. one of um, J- what, what's becoming a bit of a trademark of Jason Paulos um, with the, the big single image on the back page, um, which is the big reveal sort of thing. Um, and look, Before people who have listened those... this far into the podcast, they are such devoted fans that they've already read this, and I think we can go ahead and yeah. not worry about spoilers. <laughs> can, can I just make two, well, probably three comments before sure. we talk about the people on the last page? Um, uh, it's interesting when they're talking about um, Joe Singh, where... You know, like they're using the word sing. Uh, it's mm. I've always wondered about that, so I'm wondering if there's a bit of a backstory that's going to be re-looked at, whether it's in this arc or another arc, about that. I'm loving the um, the panels on page 31, where mm. it's all like a mash, but it 
mm. works together. And then on page 32 where Kit, it's, it's almost like the Phantom's uncensored and I'm enjoying, you know, where he says, Father, Father, this is your fault. I love the fact that we're seeing, you know, an uncensored Phantom with his thoughts and stuff like that. And he's, you know, having mm. to deal with this and he's like, and we've all been there before, whether it's a fight with the wife or, or whatever. And it's, you're thinking to yourself, oh, yes, you know, why did you do that? Or this is all mm. your fault. And so I'm enjoying that uncensored view of the mm. Phantom. Mm. No, very good points. I'll let you go. Premise on the uh, oh, and before we get on to the to the uh, those bad guys that are there, um, so then we've got we've got these three phantoms, and it aren't, isn't the bad guy organization known as the three? So is it three versus three? Uh, and something up there? Well, yeah, four, well, I, I mean that would make sense. You've you've got the balance then, haven't you? Yeah, the triumvirate or whatever it's called. Yeah. Mm. But yes, they've just recruited four people to their to their cause, the bad mm. guys. Yes, the triumvirate takes centre stage, and now we. Um, I, I can't remember. I assume it probably was in the podcast, not off air afterwards. But Chris Sequeira, the author, did tell us at the time that there was going to be a well-known Australian um, character appear, and he even he even nominated as he should because he knows because uh, he wrote it um, episode 4 as when that person would appear <laughs> and, uh, and, and so yeah and so <laughs> blow me away it's, there he comes <laughs> um, now we speculated long and hard about who that would be both on the podcast and quite a lot off the podcast I don't think any of us we, we talked about a lot of bush rangers but I don't think any of us nominated Captain Starlight did we no mine was Ned Kelly because that was the obvious one so I, I think it's a really good choice because it's someone who is going to be in the consciousness, I think, of most Australians, um, particularly um, people who have been educated um, in Australia from prep sort of thing. Like there's a lot of new Australians who may, who may not know, but um, anyone who's who's done year three and four Australian history is going to be aware of all the bushrangers and uh, Captain Starlight is certainly one of the more famous ones. Um, <coughs> but 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 not so famous as Ned Kelly, I suppose. Um, he, he's certainly someone that we are all aware of. Um, and then to have him with Warrigal as well, which is interesting. Um, uh, his man at arms, Warrigal's also is an Aboriginal word for dingo, I think. Um, so you know that that idea of a sidekick. Um, who, who's there for Captain Starlight? Then, of course, Springheel Jack. Which am I wrong? Is is that um, Jack the Ripper? No, I don't think so. They're no. different because it's different. Uh, yeah. So Jack the Ripper disappeared um, in episode one. That's not Springheel yeah. Jack. And Springheel Jacks. Remember the poster that they released last year that the fandom was fighting Springheel Jack. Yes. Yes. Yep. And then, of course. Um, she who must be obeyed, an immortal Atlantean sorceress. Now that seems, it's a bizarre mix of characters, isn't it? It is. It is. Um, now, yeah, it is. Um, it's yeah. So, uh, Spring, yeah. Well, Springhill Jack is an entity of English folklore of the Victorian era. Mm. 
Okay. So they're all they're all fairly folklore-ish, which goes in with the um uh the you know the theme and all that. Now, after reading this, I did a bit of a look at Captain Starlight. Now, depending on which page you look at and read, um, it could be a number of one or two different um, bush rangers kind of merged as one, which, in my opinion, makes it a great choice because seeing he's almost a, or is based on one or two different um, bush rangers, it kind of gives you a lot of room to add to the character, if that makes sense. Mm. So um, yeah, if, yeah if, the, if the boundary is already fluid, then it's not going to matter um, if you yeah. mess with that a little bit. Yeah, so I, I thought that was I liked how they've done how they've chosen that because it just gives you so much room. Mm. Mm. So um, <laughs> I'm, I'm really enjoying Phantom by Gaslight as a serial. Um, I'm looking forward to episode five. I'm probably yeah, I've got some questions about, I guess, particularly this third Phantom, and I'm hoping that Episode 5 really starts to um, uh, solidify, I guess, that character at least, because that he's only just been introduced, um, Adami, and, and where he fits into the picture. Um, and look, the, the way this moves, there's only eight pages at the end of a, um, a standard through comic, but gee, it's a fast-paced little thing. Lots of things happen in yeah. those eight pages, don't they? It, oh yeah, uh, kick along very at a top speed. It's um, but then what I like about it is that, and this is a tribute to the um, to the artist, is that there's pages where, where there's sections where it slows right down, mm. and um, like for instance, in the first issue you've got the you know the full page of Julie Walker walking down the street being stalked by Jack the Ripper. So, you know, that's a real slow um, element. And then even in this one, you've got, like, for instance, the Phantom or the third Phantom jumping off the um, off the balcony. And then in four pages, in four panels, you've got him, you know, jumping, throwing something, that being caught on the roof and then swinging mm. like Tarzan. And then, so you've got that in four panels. Where in other other parts, who would have done that in one or two panels? Oh, look, the, 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 that's mm. on page thirty-two. The comparison between yeah. thirty-one, which you've already mentioned, that's essentially, yeah. I guess, six panels, five, five, six panels, which is all sort of mashed in together, like you said. Then you flip it over, and you've got your standard six panels, and just the pace difference between the two of them is, yeah, it's incredible. Mm. So, and then um, even on yeah page thirty-three, you've got the same first two panels. Mm. So I'm enjoying, you know, the flow and, you know, the fast pace and then the slow pace. And, mm. you know, it's obvious these two guys work well together. Um, they're talented. They've got, you know, they've put a lot of work in it. And it's, it's, a, it's a great read. Mm. Mm. It's, um, it's probably, if I put my focused hat on, it's a bit challenging in that area because it's... Um, while it still fits with it, you know, it doesn't step away or, or as, as I sort of alluded to before, the introduction of this third, this Adami character, this mm. third Phantom, um, the the melding of universes and, you know, it started with real, you know, real people like you, you Jack the Ripper and now we're starting to go into 
mythology. Um, so there, there's some we, we're going in a you know we're boiling the frog so to speak in in the sense of how we're getting there. <laughs> Um, but there's going to be some frogs who are looking around, um, some focused frogs who are looking around going, geez, this is getting hot. I think I might get out. So, um, you can't. Yeah, that's right. You've got late. your trap. <laughs> <laughs> I'm sucked in. So, no, it, it, it's really interesting. I hope that people are sticking with it. I, I just... We, we talk a lot about um, the older generation of, of readers and that sort of thing, and probably Dudley's dealing with letters of people who are starting to go, well, hang on, what is this rubbish? And I hope that they are not doing that. I hope that they're sticking with it because it's, there's, there's so much promise about it. Yeah, I agree. Mm. Absolutely. All right. Anything else about 1799? No. No. Good. <laughs> 1800. <laughs> Who'd have thought it would take us this long to get through a uh, comics and news, which was essentially let's chat about what Glenn said and the two regular issues of Fruit Comics. Well, but here we are. We're not even going to talk about um, what Glenn said. <laughs> we're, <just> gonna, <laughs> we're not doing we're it just, now, I tell you. <laughs> we're just going right. to talk about the three comics, I think. Yeah, that's right, which turned out to be five comics. Uh, this is the third of which is over 100 pages long. Um, we, we're, just, we're just so spoiled. I think that's one thing that we've just got to keep... Um, you know, attention on is that at the moment mm. there's just a glut of fandom stuff coming through, um, far more than probably we realise um, until we check our credit card statements. Anyway, um, issue 1800, um, it's very tidy that a uh, an 1800 or, or a round number has appeared at a 100-page special. It's the 2017 Christmas special. Um, we've seen the cover on Facebook. If you haven't seen the cover yet, get to your newsstands and, and check it out. It's... A, it's focused on the newspaper strips, so we've got two Sunday stories, The um, Trouble in the Twelve Nations and The Wise Guy, both of which are illustrated by Terry Beattie. We've got The Phantom Stamp, which is illustrated, it's a daily, it's illustrated by Mike Manley, all of which are written by Tony DePaul, um, another person we're hoping to get on the podcast at some point, and uh, it's, it's what... We've all been waiting for, for a long, long time, a genuine Christmas okay. cover. Dan, you have two minutes to blow your own horn. <laughs> I would... I I will, <laughs> and and, and this will be the last time it ever gets mentioned, probably. <laughs> Do you believe Until that, Until next Stephen? Christmas. No. Um, Do you believe that, Stephen? No, I not for a minute. <laughs> I, am, I am more than happy for people to be messaging me on Facebook or contacting us via the website with their thanks and their gratitude for finally getting a Christmas, a genuine Christmas cover on a, uh, a Christmas special. Look, you, you, can, you can say as much as you like that, oh, lots of people, blah, 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 blah. I've got a Fru Crew badge sitting on my collector's shelf that was given to me from Dudley for the idea of a Christmas special. So he says at the bottom of his message to the publisher, there are some readers out there that have been banging a drum about a Christmas-themed cover for some time. This is for you. You know who you are. Yes, I do, Dudley. Yes, I do. <laughs> Thank you very much. I really appreciate it. I, I understand that you couldn't put in the message from the publisher a personalised, well done, Dan. Thank you, um, because of the people that you would have put offside. But I do know who I am. And uh, <laughs> now everybody else, just lap it up. 
Open up your Christmas cover in its, in its panoramic glory. Look at the front, look at the back, the mistletoe, the Santa's cap, the Santa's sack, all of the phantom goodies that are emerging out of the Santa's sack. Um, well done, Massimo. We love it. And uh, thank you all. I think Steve might have to edit this podcast and just get rid of that bit. <laughs> Um, but no, in, in all seriousness, um, you know, uh, and we've, we've had a joke about this, but it is good to see, in yeah. all seriousness, it is good to see the fan and with a Christmas theme cover. Um, hopefully, it means it, we will see more sales, which, you know, would justify, in a sense, through yeah. um, doing this. Um, so yeah, so I'm, oh, I really, I really it. like the idea of mums and dads, you know, we're, we're recording this on the 20th, so we're five days out from Christmas, mums and dads in the next few days who are scrambling around shopping centres going, oh, what are those last minute gift ideas that we can put in our kids, um, Christmas stockings or whatever it is. Um, you're walking yeah. through the news agents and you actually see a crit it says it's clearly labeled Christmas special. There's a Santa hat. There's a, there's the Santa sack, like I said. Um, you know, it's going to jump out and go, right, that's the Christmas thing that we can just give for the kids and, and the sales will increase. I really hope that is the case. Yeah. Uh, what about the stories? I agree. Uh, are we really, are we, do we really want to move on already? Come on. <laughs> no, well, let, let's talk about fair, the stories. It says, it, it doesn't say, um, you know, there, are, there is one reader out there who's been banging a drum. It says there are <laughs> readers. So, yeah. Dan, uh, I'm sorry, it's not just you. Dudley knows that there's more than one person out there. Um, I'll, get a, I'll get the email where he uh, has acknowledged that, and I'll post that on the, uh, the podcast page. Um, <laughs> now, let's talk about the stories because um, uh, the other thing that I really... The other thing that I really like about this, um, and obviously this is the focused or the newspaper strippist in me that's coming out, is that this is our real focus for the year on um, the newspaper strip stories. Now, we have had a couple of other Tony DePaul stories published this year. I, I do acknowledge that through, through 2017. Um, we've already had, let me track these down, we've had the challenge um, back in 1778, and we've had the Baron Khan sedition from 1788. So it's not like we've been bereft of news, newspaper stories, but to have the three of them come out like this as a Christmas special, I think they did it last year as well. Um, yep. the, the Christmas special was all newspaper strips. It, it's a nice theme um, that they're going to go with, if that's what they're going to do now, and have those mm. dailies and Sundays come together for Christmas. And in colour as well. Yeah, yeah, absolutely beautiful, isn't it? Mm. Now... Which story did you enjoy the most? You go first, Stephen. I've been talking a bit. Um, Nothing new there. I don't have the uh, Christmas <laughs> special. But, um, oh, sorry. No, yeah. you don't. <laughs> but who's However, read I all did, these stories? I read all these in the paper and, um, as they appeared. Um, from my memory, 12 Nations is uh, pretty good. Uh, and I always like it when um, when his mate um, Mandrake and Lotha turn up, and so this is this is pretty much a, a Lotha focus story in the just 
you know, in the covers of a, of a Phantom story. So it is a Phantom story, but there's a lot to do with Lothar in it. Um, and I remember liking it and, you know, a bit of a humorous ending, if I remember correctly. The wise yeah. guy, um, the, the mafia story, if I remember. Um, yes. Um, I can't remember details, but I remember, yeah, that it was okay. But the stamp. It's the ninja was, story. Very fast the ninja. What, in the wise guy? Yeah. Yeah, remember fast yeah. the ninja? Yeah. You probably did. Yeah, because there was all different types of crime gangs going on in the house or the mansion. Is that right? Something like that? Yeah. This is my memory, you know, from whenever it was. Um, but the stamp, I remember not liking that when it was appearing in the paper. And um, I know, is it good in, as a complete hole in the um, in the Christmas special, or is it just a complete hole <laughs> in the Christmas special? Mm. It will be. Um, I remember trying to read it as well, and I got bored with it. Not bored, but. Yeah, maybe bored. We'll go with bored. I got bored with that story, reading it, you know, waiting every day as well. Um, so I'm going to – I actually stopped reading it halfway through So um, when it was out in the newspaper. So I'm going to reread this and see if I still find it boring or whether I actually am – you know, whether I actually enjoy it as a – reading it as a comic rather than as a strip. Um, yeah, that's fair. I I actually really enjoyed it as a comic. Um, it's well, to, it's not. It, it's a fun story um, to use that vernacular. I suppose it's it's pretty meaningless um, in the sense of oh, this you know the premise of the story and is the Phantom going to be on a stamp and is someone researching the Phantom and how can we you know so. Um, but it, it, it's it's fun enough. It's not my favourite in in this collection of three. I probably liked Trouble in the Twelve Nations um, as as my pick of the three um, because I really enjoyed the the Mandrake Lothar crossover. Um, so, and I'm not a Mandrake reader um, per se. I was sort of picking up a bit about the the Mandrake universe as I was reading through this and Hojo and all of that sort of stuff, um, as much as anything. But I really enjoyed it in that sense, I suppose. Um, I thought it was really good to see that that, that history of the, the, the universe that Lee Falk created has not been forgotten and is still coming back. Because mm. it was hearkening back to stories that... Uh, Mandrake stories from 1995 or something, if I remember rightly now. I read something about that. So... There, there's, there's still that connection which I really enjoyed. Was that, yeah. was this the story that um, the Phantom and Hojo kind of dressed up like the Blues Brothers? Yes. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. And, and I just love the idea of this. Uh, <laughs> he'd have to be um, a 160 kilo, 180 kilo chef who, as it turns out, is also a 10th degree black belt. Um, he's there <laughs> taking out a gang of thieves while the Phantom chases down somebody who's pretending to be um, the fat man, <laughs> bad guy. Um, Hojo actually does all the bad, <laughs> does all the hard work, um, and the Phantom <laughs> wanders off and does something quite menial. <laughs> so, I probably thought that Hojo needed to work off his uh, off his off his breakfast. <laughs> he must have done. <laughs> he must have done. But um, it was yeah, the Twelve Nations was definitely a more fun story. 
Um, I probably enjoyed the... I enjoyed 12 Nations because it was fun. I enjoyed the fight scenes in the shadows and stuff with uh, the wise guy. Yeah, that's true, um, yeah. So I enjoyed those mood elements that Terry Beatty um, introduced in that story. Mm. Mm. Um, one thing that is exciting is that um, <clears throat> the, with the stamp being in this, it means that the next daily due for production in a comic by Fru is The Curse of Old Man Moz, and I think we're all really looking forward to seeing that um, as, a, as a collected uh, comic book rather than as the daily strips we um, certainly the three of us, and I think a lot of people around the fandom world, uh, started to really follow the the news strip again, based on that story, and to see it come together as a comic. So hopefully we're not waiting till the Christmas special next year for that one to appear. Um, I'm looking forward to seeing that sometime yeah, sooner rather than later, early in 2018, I hope. Yeah, that'd be ideal. Um, Jeremy, you raised something about the, um, yeah. the, the way that this was sort of um, packed together, I suppose. Um, we've talked about the trade paperback and the splash pages and that sort of thing. There's not a single splash page in this 100-page this spread. It just is wall-to-wall comic strips with a quick title to indicate that there's been a change of story. Mm. Now, yeah, it was just interesting, and we kind of talked about this in the trade paperback as well a lot. The thing that I, the thing in my opinion that set the wedding special apart was the fact that it had the fillers, like it had a couple of the articles, it had the you know um, the research going into Diana's Diana and the family's history throughout the years and stuff. Um, I thought that was great with this Christmas special, and I'm not sure if. It, if it would actually would have worked in this, especially because these, you know, we have got 100 pages of story, which I think is good anyway. Mm. But it was just interesting having two comics that have come out within, what, say, a month of each other. And one, there seems to be more time spent in the comic with the extra fillers and stuff like that. And then you've got the Christmas special where it is just, you know, the comic. We've got what? We've got a message from the publisher... Um, on the back pages, there's two pages, and then I think there's a subscription one in the middle somewhere. I think I saw it. Um, after the wise guy, I think it was. Oh, I was going to make a lie. Click right now. Yeah, I'm trying. Yeah, I don't at the end of the wise yeah, guy. Yeah, yep, yep. Be like the got, Yep. Yeah, so it's got what? It's got two, three... Four pages, including the message of the publisher, or six if you include the front and back cover, that mm. is not comic, mm. which is you know which is pretty which is pretty good because you know let's face it a lot of comics are not like that at all, but um, yeah I just thought it was interesting comparing the two comics where one's water war comics like you said or water war stories like you said and the other one is more you know, there's, there's, there's a lot more fillers involved. So the wedding special, I mean, it was able to do that because it was 180 pages. So there's, you know, it's almost yeah. double the size. Um, yeah. That said, because of the colour, it so the, the, the 2017 special, which is 100 pages of colour, was $12. And the wedding special, which is 180 pages of black and white, was $14.50. So it's only a little bit more 
therefore almost double the, I guess, the, the content in a sense, but certainly not presented the same way. So it yeah. does raise an interesting question of um, what's better value for money, um, more pages or the, the colour presentation? I think the more pages. But it is nice and singing in colour. Mm. Mm. No, look, I, th I think the fact that it's a balance is, is good is, and we've got the tools yeah. to compare. So so close together, um, it... it it, um, I, I hadn't even, it hadn't even occurred to me until you raised it um, because um, I guess I enjoyed both of them for what they were in their own way. Um, yeah. I, I'm really enjoying seeing a bit more colour. I must be honest, I probably was one of those people who thought that black and white was the only way to go. Um, but seeing the trade paperback in particular, now the full colour Christmas special, on the back of the full colour Christmas special we had last year, a few colour issues that we've that we've had, the Girl Phantom special, which had some colour, some black and white. I am really enjoying seeing some colour, um, and, and I think that's probably um, a shift that I'm that I'm mm. going through at the moment. There's been, there was probably what, maybe the trade paperback, this one, Girl Phantom... Uh, and then was the full circle this year? Full as circle, well? yep, yep. So right that's what here. three, five. So there's only been five issues, or well, not including uh, Kid Phantom. Supernova was because the first oh, gaslight yeah. was in six. color. Yeah, okay. So we'll go six, and then including Kid Phantom, so that's two. That's eight, and there's been what probably about forty comics yeah. produced, I would say. So you're looking at, you know, less than a quarter yeah. have been in colour, which which I think is a good balance at the moment. Yeah, because it does still need to be cost effective. Um, I'm mm. I'm I'm a little bit worried that next time I go to renew my subscription, what that might cost and whether that starts to go up. Stephen, are you seeing? Are you feeling the 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 day to day cost or the weekly cost? I suppose going to the newsagent and the you know, we've talked about a bunch of 100-page specials and, and, and colour obviously costs more. Are you feeling that more regularly than we are? Um, well, like I said, um, I think we said it on here, um, I've started putting um, you know, a bit of my paycheck into a separate account so I could kind of save up for Supernova. But it's right. just being, it's being ripped off, well, not ripped off, ripped out, I don't know, it's been taken <laughs> away um, every month or every fortnight because of these... Um, Ten, twelve dollar uh, comics. Yeah, it is. It is hard for a completist. Um, yeah, I've. Yeah, I think it would be hard. I think I, I was talking to a friend of mine who lives in Sydney. Um, you know, similar. You know, similar age as us. He's got only the one child. who's an immigrant um, to Australia. One of the main reasons he chose Australia was so he can um, get Phantom comics. Um, <laughs> true story. <laughs> that's was, that's not an it, economic refugee. That's a Phantom refugee. That's brilliant. <laughs> um, but you know, he he had to make the decision not to. You know, he doesn't get giant size just purely because he can't afford to get all of them. Yeah. Yeah. Yep. Thankfully, this is all tax deductible because we're all making so much money off it that it counts as an income. Asterisk, <laughs> that does not happen. <laughs> uh, 
Um, no, it's uh, it 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 uh, uh, it's a double edged sword, isn't it? Because um, if you, you know, we'd be complaining that it wasn't there, now we're complaining that it costs a lot of money. Look, you've only got to go, and I mentioned um, my son and Spider Man before. You've only got to go to the, the toy. Um, aisle in any department store, Kmart, Big W, whatever, and try to pick a Superman toy to give to your son for Christmas or a Spider-Man toy. And you've got shelves and shelves and shelves to choose from. Um, I, I thank yeah. goodness that there's only one Phantom toy that you've got to go and chase and find at a specialty shop, um, and there's not that range. Because if you're a completist and you're a Spider-Man completist, for instance, um, mm. uh, well, you couldn't be married. It just wouldn't happen. <laughs> 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 yeah, <laughs> that's a very good point. It's um, but yeah, and and I think Fru's aware of that. Like um, in the podcast, Glenn did make mention of the point of saturation and saturation. Stuff like that. Yeah. So um, yeah, I, I think they're aware of it. It's just I think it's worth just continually raising, looking at from a fan's point of view, especially from a pod, podcast point of view, because I'm sure this. And I'm sure it is a um, a concern for some fans. Mm. All right. Now, um, we will rip through... I'm sure we'll rip through this last little bit um, because... Uh, hey, Well, we've done the comics, we've done the news. Um, speaking of the fact that it's costing us money to be fanning fans, um, finally we've got a little period of time other than, than birthdays where um, we've got an opportunity oh, yeah, for people bit. to give us phantom things <laughs> and so Jermaine has added this to the back of the play, uh, back of the uh, the um, what's the word podcast run sheet run sheet run sheet is what I'm looking for uh, <laughs> <laughs> um, a phantom Christmas present that you want or that you already know that you are getting um, so I neither neither Dan, uh, neither Steve or I have added anything to this. Um, we're going to have to think of it on the fly. Um, so we'll start with you, Jermaine. What is a Phantom Christmas present that you that you want or that you know you, that you're already getting? Well, this I, I will be honest. This is a self uh, self imposed uh, ego um, brag moment. Um, so I've, I've got three things. So first one was being some Sparta original artwork. Can we clarify, um, are these things that you know that you're getting? Or that I've you already want? got them. You've already got them. <laughs> <laughs> so I actually don't have anything under the Christmas tree with my name on it. Um, I think the wife is going to go buy me a pair of shorts. Um, <laughs> but the stuff that I have already got, which I is Made it in my fandom room is I got two pieces of original Sparta artwork, um, and then I've also got a Keith Chadio Fru original cover, and then a back cover from uh, one of the Fru comics from the mid 90s as well. So, um, do, you, do you know the artist? Who the heck is Keith Chadio? Keith Chadio. <laughs> yeah, Chadio, yeah, that's it. <laughs> well, well done. Who cares? Um, we all thought it. Jealous? I'm glad you said it, Steve. Just I'm just jealous. <laughs> do, do you know who the uh, back cover of the Fru is by? Uh, yeah, I think it's Gwen. Right. Yeah. Okay. So um, yeah, so a couple of uh, covers and some artwork, which yeah, it was not it was not cheap. It was, you know, but that's my Christmas present and birthday present cool. for this year. What about you guys? Are you getting anything, Phantom? 
I got a bunch well, of back issues from Bradley. That was nice. Well, oh, that's yeah, I saw that. I saw that parcel. How many was in there? Well, I didn't count. I'm just grateful for anything. <laughs> <laughs> Very good. And and have you put out a wish list to your um, secret Santa group or or to the family for any phantom items? Um, no, I probably should have. And if anyone's listening, I haven't got the apron yet. That'd be nice. <laughs> All right. Well, that's an easy one. And and in the budget of a secret Santa. Well, that's right. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. You, you, you should. Everyone should be like, you know, come like November, December. Start sending your wife links, or you know, when you're when you're laying in bed, you go, oh, this isn't bad. What do you think about this one? You know, I'll show it yeah. to you on the phone. And... I do. I do regret that we didn't put together the Chronicle Chamber wish list um, post that we we talked about, and we certainly did it last year. Um, we, we had every intention of putting together that uh, easy one link that you can send to your significant other um, <laughs> so that they can see that range, but uh, unfortunately, life got in the way, so we didn't we didn't do that. Uh, we, we, I might still do it and then backdate it and look, make it look like we did it. <laughs> so there so we go. Uh, for myself, uh, in terms of a Phantom uh, wish list or whatever, um, I have a sneaky... Very confident feeling that there's going to be a phantom pokey topper under the Christmas tree for me on uh, Christmas morning, and I'm very excited to be able nice. to display that and have that up. Um, and I, on my Christmas wish list in terms of uh, a secret Santa, we we have do we we do a family secret Santa and send out ideas um, to the group as to what we might like. And um, the phantom unmasked was in that. Um, was in my list of things that I might like. So hopefully that Kevin Patrick book turns up there as well. So that's uh, that that's my, my fingers crossed um, there. Nice. Yeah, Mostly because it'll save me the money in case um, <laughs> they don't get it and then I have to buy it for myself. <laughs> yeah. I started reading that one, um, the Unmasked one. Yeah. Yeah. I'm enjoying it so far. Um, it's I'm only up to like... Like probably page five or something, but um, what I've read so far, it was nice, and that was, you know, I was reading it while the daughter was watching uh, Paw Patrol, so no, nothing better to do. <laughs> very good, very good. <clears throat> all right. Well, with that, we should say a very Merry Christmas to all yes. of our listeners. Um, we, well, I don't know about you guys, but I listen to a, a wide range of podcasts. Um, there's probably about 10 or 12 that I subscribe to, and there are times, particularly during the football season, because a few of them are football podcasts, that I feel a bit overwhelmed by podcasts, and I can't listen to them all. But mm. um, the last week or so, those have dried up, and they're not dropping, and, and they've already gone on holidays, and I'm a bit bereft. I'm out there sanding the deck and painting the deck and, and I've got nothing to listen to. So hopefully um, we will get this out. There's no doubt about that. We'll get this out. We'll edit it quickly and, and get this out for people uh, to have available for the Christmas season. I know it's a long one, but you've got a long break between Christmas and New Year, hopefully, <laughs> um, and and some time to just sit in a hammock or sit on the beach, um, you know, get some work done around the house, mow the lawn, do, do the garden, just have this on in your ears, and um, hopefully we'll fill some time where some other podcasts are not producing. Um, and, uh, and, and from all of us here, 
we wish you a very, very Merry Christmas. Before we do those final thoughts, obviously we need to plug the website, chroniclechamber.com, where you're going to get all your fandom news over the, over the holiday season as well, particularly at the moment. I'm most excited about that fandom game that Alex Winter was talking about. We're going to get mm. all of the information up there about that. Um, the Reddit message board on, um, on Reddit, www.reddit.com slash r slash phantom fans with the ph get on there as you heard tonight we will we do read that and we'll we'll add your suggestions to the podcast and talk about those um or you can email us on chroniclechamber at gmail.com those are the ways the best ways that you can get in touch with us um and and let us know what you're thinking about the phantom and what's going on in your phantom world and uh bring some things to our attention that we can talk about on the podcast and and get um on the on the Facebook groups and um, on the website, um, guys. Merry Merry Christmas to you guys. I think 2017 yeah. has been one of the best years to be a Phantom fan. We'll we'll do a wrap up of 2017. Um, it's been one of the most expensive years to be a Phantom. Fan. <laughs> oh, there's no doubt about that. <laughs> and, and we'll go into great detail and share our credit card statements and that sort of thing uh, when we do our 2017 wrap up and we talk about the best covers and the best stories and and the the collectibles we purchased and the and the things that were for sale. Um, and we'll do we'll record that early in the new year. As as we've alluded to throughout, we've got a whole bunch of um, creators in particular, artists and authors and that sort of thing who, who we've got lined up to be on the podcast. It shapes up to be an excellent 2018 as well, um, and we'll talk more about that. But uh, I hope you guys have a, a very purple and a very very merry phantom Christmas, guys. Yeah, thanks, mate. You too. It's, um, yeah, echo everything you've said. Couldn't have said it better. Yeah. Happy phantoming, everyone. As, as Jermaine said, happy phantoming, everybody. Happy phantoming. 500. I can't believe you still don't have the trade paperback over there. Oh, I'm going to have a bit of a whinge about that. I'll have a bit of a whinge about that. Tell through that I get. Um, oh, I haven't even got my fans world either. And I'm a subscriber. Yeah. You know, if I can do it in... In you know, far-flung, rural, backwards Queensland, surely they could do uh, they could do a metro a metro place like Perth. Um, Hello, Alex. Yeah, no. I have, I have. I was just trying to work out what you thought they were not doing in or attempting to do in Perth. Uh, don't worry about Jermaine. He's always whinging. He thinks Perth hard, hard done by. You caught him mid bleat. <laughs> yeah. How are you going, Alex? I'm Jermaine. Uh, we were just whinging about how Perth gets left behind. <laughs> there's, no, there's no we oh. involved at all, mate. <laughs> what, what was that in regards to? Uh, Is he Oh, sorry, yes? No, Jermaine's gone. I think I Jermaine's know. gone. <laughs> I think he's mentioning about his internet <laughs> quality, I think, this week, though. Yeah, well, even yeah. just, um, I've only had it, the other guys sounds like they've been using the internet more than me during this. I've only just had a real quick look at um, the brigade, just the the finish on that, and the poly, you know, it, it obviously looks like it's a really professional um, result, so... Um, mm, that's what I do. Anyone who's, yeah, yeah, for sure, <laughs> yeah. I don't need to see patronising or anything there, but... Um, <laughs> that's okay. <laughs> but he will. But, but that's what I do. 
Is your wife going to allow you to be away for... She'll be fine. That's right. She listens to this, doesn't she? Not this bit. This is, this is the end of the Mrs. Fraser, do not let him go. <laughs> oh, I, mean, I should have said, do you know, you know which bit she listened to? And um, which it, it was our preparation for Supernova, or might have been at Supernova, where I was talking about squirrelling away $5 notes. And, <laughs> and, and she's, she's come back at me with that. So where are all our $5 notes going? What, what are you talking about? <laughs> Oh, that's funny. That's funny. Five hundred years ago, he washed ashore the sole survivor of a shipwreck. And upon the skull of the man who killed his dad, he said, I'm mad, I must eradicate piracy, injustice and cruelty. And all my sons will follow me, so evildoers will believe that this man cannot die. The ghost who walks Enemies beware The phantom's always there But you won't find the phantom He finds you